The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. From October 3rd, 1990 to October 3rd, 2015, 25 years of Chris Jericho in pro wrestling. Can you believe it? I, I can't believe it. It doesn't seem like it's 25 years. Uh, it, it seems shorter. It seems longer. It's just been a magical, magical dream come true for, for a quarter of a century. That's insane, man, considering I'm only about 18 years old in my head. But irregardless, I just spent my 25th anniversary celebrating it in the ring last Saturday night in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Perfect, perfect time. Perfect, perfect place. And you know what? I'm going to tell you all about that experience uh, coming up on this Friday's Talk is Jericho, because today I got something pretty cool lined up, and I want to get right to it. Uh, the celebration of 25 years in pro wrestling. I wanted to do something uh, cool. I wanted to do something memorable. So I rounded up three my three oldest friends in the wrestling biz, had them meet me in New York City to help me celebrate the whole, uh, the whole uh, situation. I wanted to reminisce about our start. I wanted us to be able to spend that that moment together in Madison Square Garden and then go out afterwards and, and have a blast talking about the old days. I'm talking about Lance Storm, Don Callis, the natural jackal, and Lenny St. Clair, Dr. Luther. Between the three of us, we've got some great stories about the Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, Stampede Wrestling, Bad News Allen, Bad News Brown, promoter Tony Candelo, man, did that guy get ribbed, the illustrious Bulldog Bob Brown. Uh, so many crazy things happen. Wait till you hear the ribs they pulled on Tony Candelo, uh, dealing with pigs, green food dye, and fire pants. My pants is on fire. And I think you're going to fall in love with, uh, with Don Callis and, and with Lenny St. Clair. You've never heard them on this show before, and they're both hilarious, hilarious guys. Both of them uh, veterans of the wrestling business. Of course, you all know Lance T. Storm, my old tag team partner and uh, my oldest friend in the wrestling business. He was great as well. And let me say this. He breaks down laughing like we've never seen before. The man who's known as saying, can I be serious for a moment? Not this time. He almost puked. He was laughing so hard. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Can't wait for you guys to hear this whole story about the 25 years of Chris Jericho in the WWE in uh, WCW, ECW, WAR, New Japan, Mexico, Germany, all across Canada, all across the States, all across the world and elsewhere. What, what movie is that from? Let me know on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. 
All right, we're going to get right to it. The 25th anniversary chat. A lot of laughs in this one. I just want to preface this by saying we were in the hotel. I pulled the desk back to get ready to set up for the for the recording of this show. And behind the desk, we'll talk about it briefly, but I left out a couple things. There was a sock. There was a straw with a wrapper on it. There was a, a baseball ticket from 2014. There was a condom wrapper. There was a bunch of crap and dirt all behind the desk in this five-star hotel, which I will not name. If you want to see a picture of it, go to at Talk is Jericho now. You'll see what I'm talking about. Let's get right to it. Jericho's 25th anniversary show starts now. Okay, it's been a uh, amazing few days here. Uh, we're in a, an undisclosed hotel, five-star hotel, and I pulled back the desk to start this podcast, and there's a sock. There's a uh, ticket from a New York Yankees versus Boston Red Sox game, June 27th, 2014. The start time was 7.05 p.m., and it's very typical that, uh, that this happens when we are with... And le condom. <laughs> <laughs> for all your French listeners out there. Because I think that's French for condom. Le condom. Uh, and I'm here with uh, my three oldest friends in the wrestling business. And if that's not true, I'm saying it is now. Lance Storm, Lenny St. Clair, and uh, Don Callis, the natural jackal Osiris. Uh, great, great, uh, great times. Sidewinder Singh, don't forget that. that, was, that was that was one of your names? I was, I was. Yeah. That's right. You were Sidewinder we're, Singh? We were a little yeah. short of talent that night. That's so when he's like, don't bump up. me, and the first thing I did was bump him. Why were you Sidewinder Singh? Uh, we're, we're a little short of talent. A few people went home, so I yeah. had to cover. Working the East Indian gimmick. <laughs> Always wanted Under to a be mask. Karachi Vice. Under a mask. <laughs> don't bump me. That's the first thing I did was bump him. So <laughs> we, like, we're here because it's like, you know, it's like the, the, pomp, the, the pomp and circumstance thing is Jericho's 25th anniversary that nobody in the WWE cared about. I manufactured this whole thing by myself. Brought in you three guys to come hang out and have a good time because we all started basically at the same time all the way back in 1990. And the trans felt a lot like it did in 1990, actually. <laughs> Why are you bitching with trans? I flew I you in. Now, so trans- I'm, I'm, just, I'm not complaining, but I'll just say. <laughs> and this is Don Callis, so the natural talking. So he calls me up. He goes, what airline do you like to fly? I said, Air Canada. He flies me on a different airline. <laughs> so I go to check in. They're like, oh, you're in a bad seat. It doesn't recline. I was like, oh, who booked this? <laughs> then there was a, th- a, four, a four-hour layover. There's <laughs> not a four-hour layover. There was layover. a four-hour delay Okay, because you decided fault. to book your thing during a freaking hurricane. Right. Yeah, it was a agreement flight. Yeah. It was like a northern tour, really, this whole thing. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? Now, let me say this. <laughs> I was going, and listen, you're acting like you've never traveled before, Don. You've just forgotten what it's like to travel, because when I was booking this, I've I have forgotten how to travel like this, I think. <laughs> what, what, because what, you were flying first class? No, 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 no. the network? Well, well, uh, yes, actually. but You were not. I got automatic upgrades on Northwest. What, which used to be... The bereavement which... fair. They felt bad for me. Paul. <laughs> 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 so I came up with this idea, good old stupid me. To uh, bring my friends in, and yes, I will say it, I flew you in, and, and 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 put yourself over. But what did I say to you when you texted me with this idea? What I was like, are you drinking? <laughs> It's a good idea, but you're clearly loaded if you're thinking of this at and two in the morning. I was. Yeah, well, I invited man. three other people, and they couldn't show up. A lot so of creativity. We're, we're the, the fill-ins. So we're yeah. not your three oldest friends. We're just the three. Well, that you were, and then we, met, we missed out on Decomo. Como was going to come, Como. but that's when I was like, three guys is good. Four as I'm overstepping my. Como, boundaries. Brian, Jewel weren't available. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Now, it's what us. we're talking about here is we we started uh, uh, in Winnipeg, basically Calgary, uh, all these all these type of areas around the same time. Don Callis was known as the natural. Lenny was Lenny St. Clair, l- the luscious Lush. Lenny St. Clair. Yeah. And you Still were Lance luscious. T. Storm. Lance, yeah, I've dropped the T. <laughs> yeah, you're Lance T. Storm. T stands for Thunder, which Ed Langley was so excited about. We'll get into Ed. And I was Cowboy Chris Jericho from Casper, Wyoming. But you and I met at Gold's Gym, you told me. See, now here's the thing. Yes, I grew I up in Winnipeg, and I was a huge wrestling fan. And I used to go to the Polo Park Inn to w- hang out with wrestlers, look at wrestlers. Uh, my favorite one was Coco Beware. And I said to him, I brought him the Pile Driver album cover. And I said to him, can you please sign my album? You're a great singer. And he said, give me $10. No, he said, I'll sign it. And then he goes, do you know where I can buy some cocaine? <laughs> How old were you? I was 18. Oh. And I, I was... I thought you were going to say you were 10. No, maybe 17. Actually, probably 17, let's say. And so I you hooked s- a brother up? Uh, yeah, dude. I was, <laughs> and to me, uh, cocaine was this thing that I'd heard about... You know, yeah, in me a movie. too. Yeah, cocaine. Me, me too. <laughs> Heard about it. And I was like, yeah, let me check my contacts, whatever. And then I said, <laughs> no idea. And then I said, how do you get big? And he said, drink a lot of beer. Oh, there you go. That, that was his advice. that to heart. Drink a lot of beer. Yeah. And then I said to him after that, how are you going to beat the warlord? Warlord was his opponent. And he said, well, I just got to book that. I got <laughs> A rib. <laughs> I got a duck, dodge, and dive, and I'll, and that's my only chance. And then he he lost the warlord in like seven seconds. And I remember thinking, well, that didn't work. His, his strategy didn't work. <laughs> he didn't duck, he didn't, dodge, and dive enough. He didn't dive enough. All right, so I would go to the pole park in. With the coke, he might have did better. <laughs> he would have won. You're the, reason, <laughs> you're the reason he lost. He was never a champion because of you. Because of me and the parrots and the whole thing. So I would go to the pole park in to meet the wrestlers, and I would go to Gold's Gym. Where basically across the street where the wrestlers would train. And I used to watch local Winnipeg wrestling. WFWA or may have been called IWA at the time. WFWA at the time. And that would be the West Four Provinces, which would be Alberta. Actually, it wasn't. It was because at one time there were four promoters, and so Tony's not creative. This is Tony Candelo. It's the legendary Tony. So anyways, I go into this Gold's Gym, and I see across the crowded room in the the locker room. pumped up God of the natural. Winnipeg's Kerry Von Erich. That's what I was at the time. (laughs) (laughs) But he was the natural. And I would see that I saw the natural on local Winnipeg TV, and, the limp. and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the natural over there. So I walked up I to get my, that a lot. I was going to Red River Community College at the time, and I walked up to him and I was like, are you the natural? And he's like, yeah, and walked away. Oh, big time, Jim. Oh, big time. I don't like marks. <laughs> And I remember thinking, oh, that guy's... You weren't I'm, up to male rat status yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the natural. If I can only be like the natural, because the natural's on TV, he must be making 100 grand, 150 grand a year. That's about right. He's yeah, rich. Right. He's rich. So, do you remember? I this? acted like I was making that much. Well, yeah, but you I kinda, don't remember you coming up to me. You had the Ric Flair gimmick. You always wore a suit yeah. and tie. You were very. Uh, I was a well big dressed. mark. A lot of class. I, you know, it's true. I mean, I, I went. I, I went to shows where there were wrestling in front of twenty people. I you made see, no money, and I'd wear a thousand dollars suit. Sure, was on. He, he could, pulled up in a limo. Yeah. But see, but that's the thing. It's the old Kiss theory. Every show you have is Madison Square Garden. That's how you kind of my my dad my dad who's since departed, God bless him, uh, used to tell me since I was a little kid, 
wherever you go, walk in like you own the place. Right. He pulled and up in a limo, and two of the worst strippers I've ever seen in my life get hey, in the limo. That was my high school girlfriend, dude. Oh, sorry, dude. Well, okay, babe. She's listening. <laughs> More strippers than you She's had. a Jericho-holic. Uh, so let me ask okay, this. You, let's, got me, you got me. Let's go back a bit. So Lance and I started at the same time. The 25th anniversary of, of my career and Lance's, October 3rd, 1990, we started Bonoka, Alberta, Moose Hall. Congratulations. But you two guys... Obviously, I saw the Natch, Natural, and Luscious Lenny because you were on Winnipeg TV as well. True. So, when did you guys meet each other? At Winnipeg TV it was his first booking, I believe. Yeah. And then I started a Stampede the year before. The year before I started a Stampede. Sorry. Right. So I've been wrestling for about a year. <laughs> I keep looking at him. Lenny was really good too. I remember that because I, I, I was the drizzling shits for the first two years, and Lenny was like really good, and that. That was terrible talent. It was like you and Tim oh, Flowers are the only guys who were any good on those TVs. It was awful. Yeah. So you, you would start, Lenny, you started in Calgary yeah. uh, at the same place that Lance and I started with the illustrious Ed Langley, which Ed we will Langley. get into very in depth. had Keith at my camp. Oh, you had Keith Hart. Did he, okay, here's the thing. So Lance and I will tell you, Keith Hart showed up, showed up on the first day of our camp, collected the money, called me a gearbox, tried to kill me, and then never <laughs> saw him again. He showed up one other day. Oh, did he? I think, I, I think he collected the money, called you a gearbox, and when he... The, the day he stretched us and did the teeth crushing gimmick was another day. So oh, yeah. I think the illustrious play. insult of Gearbox, like ooh. By, by the way, just as a, a side note on Keith Hart, Keith Hart hates me because um, I stretched Keith Hart in South Africa by accident. How? I, okay. You okay. Hey, no, would you would you agree? Would you agree that I'm one of I'm very very light in the ring. Yeah, like, very I'm, light. I'm very light, like really light. You were always under the uh, attitude of like. Less bumps, more money. This isn't supposed to hurt. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> so, a work. So I've never stiffed anyone with a super kick. I was in South Africa. I was really nervous. And I think it could have been the way he took it. But I caught Keith right under the nose with a super kick and broke his nose going up. And then I, for some reason, I thought, i got to shoot him in and give him another kick so he knows I'm not stiff. So I did Lenny's jumping front kick, and I broke his nose from the top. And that first one, had he not had that giant mustache, he would have died. <laughs> but the mustache kind of a speed bumped him. Yeah. So, so now go try to tell him that it, they're both an accident, right? <laughs> but the best thing is Keith, yeah, Keith Hart called me a gearbox. Uh, fast forward, and this is not a funny uh, situation, but fast forward to Owen's, Owen's funeral. And I see Keith for the first time since those days. And I go up to him. I shake his hand. And he's got a fly in his nose. And I go to... I go to <laughs> I go to swat the fly away, and he goes into attack mode, like "haya," like Elvis, like "oh." Well, he'd, like, he'd had that nose broken before, you know, oh, not to mess around. <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, calm down. You got a fly in your nose." And he was like, "Oh, I thought you were gonna." Shoot a little me. sensitive because I'm stiff, broken twice one time. Don't like people touching it. <laughs> so this was in South Africa. You broke Keith Hart's nose, but you guys had known each other because you were you. Did you start before uh, Don did, Lenny? Yeah. I started before Don did. I started in 87, I think, 87 or 88, yeah. So I wrestled, I went to the camp. Keith was there for almost the whole camp when I was there. Because it, was, it, it was the Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp. It was the Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp. We had 17 people when I started. I was the only one that lasted. He wow. was there for almost most of the time, actually. And then and after that, he basically, then I got on to Stampede Wrestling. But let me just slow down a second. This was when the uh, Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp was in a, Burnt out old building behind the, the turbo, behind the turbo, turbo station in Okotoks, Alberta, Canada. Canada. And the reason why I know this is because I, uh, Lance, probably at the same time, you would watch Stampede Wrestling, and at the end they would say Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, and there'd be an address. Yeah, and you would write a letter 
to... And it would go to Ed Langley. Ed Langley, who wrote... And I would always see them on his desk. Really? People would send in pictures. I remember... You remember Brian Ward? Yeah. Uh, he's the one guy I remember because I saw his picture when they sent it in, and I thought, he looks like the Punisher from the comic book. Right. Oh, like, so so you would actually – because you were like Ed Langley's boy. Yeah. Every camp he's got his favorite guy. Lance was one of his boys Lance too. Lance was his boy. I was his boy. And so after I graduated, I was on Stampede, then I obviously became the teacher because then Keith would come one day, maybe two, and then it would be me. And then he'd come again in a couple weeks, and then it would be me. Okay, so let's just – so I remember because my dad and I drove from Winnipeg to Okotoks to – my dad wanted to check out the school before he would allow me to go. Not that he, he wanted to – you know, my dad was a good guy. He wants to, to see what's going on. So he stayed at the Trey Hotel. <laughs> the Trey Hotel. Yeah, it wasn't the Trey. It was the w- Willie Hotel with the Trey oh, no, was the, the restaurant. So we went there, and we pull up. I'm like, Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp. This is going to be awesome. I'm thinking like – like the PC now in Orlando, there's going to be like a, a huge dojo, dojo and like glass windows and like blah, blah, blah. there's a garage box burnt out shithole behind the turbo station. And I remember going in there it and just it, fit a ring. It just fit a ring. There was some like shitty weights some in the weights, corner. Picture of who is the the girl in Sammy Wrestling? Candy, Kitty, uh, Miss blonde girl Casey Houston no, no she was like the valet of like the Karachi oh, Vice uh, Desiree Peterson no, no. Not Desiree. it was Kitty Kitty, Kitty. Well, not, Miss Kitty not Miss Kitty she from was Jerry a, Lawler she was a local stripper who they picked up to be in the Karachi Vice as their valet and I walked in there and I saw that post on the wall and my dad uh, remember Keith Hart was like here's what we're gonna do and we train and blah 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 and I was like I love it like this is great oh, yeah, so the roots. But Okotoks was like this little wee town yeah. outside people. of Calgary. Tiny. Yeah, very, very yeah. tiny. There's a Denny's there now. There's a Denny's there. Right, right where exactly. the turbo was. Right. So you started there with yep. Ed Langley, who was a 55-year-old man? Um, No one knows his age because he used to say yeah, he was like 15. Yeah, I know his age. But what was this? He, thing? he was claimed he claimed 65 at the time when we went through a 90, but he was actually 55. He was lying by a so decade. He was the one guy that claimed he was older. So he would have been That's a good gimmick. He would yeah. have been around 50 or 51 then. But I, most people say that they're younger. Oh, yeah. He said that he was older. Because, you know, everyone would go like, well, for 60, you could really move in there. <laughs> it's exactly right. So let's talk about some of the, uh, the things that, that, that Ed did, Lenny. Like the jobs he had? Yeah. Like with some of the... <laughs> Let's see. He was a landscaper in Saudi Arabia. He, he a landscaper a, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I don't know what he's landscaping there. Sand. sand right. Uh, he was a race car driver. <laughs> he was a race car driver that used to, for an extra $50, he would <laughs> crash car. his car. <laughs> he flipped the car for 50 bucks. So to make $50, now you got to buy a whole new car and you got to fix it. And like almost so, died. So if they paid him 50 bucks, he would crash the he car. Because you can just do it. that. You could just like press the flip button and just go. <laughs> so he would flip that. Let's see what else. He was a Boy Scout leader who saved the kid's life. How did he save the kid's life? So the kid had an appendix attack, and he had to cut out the appendix with a knife, a jackknife, and then he sewed him up with fishing line. <laughs> Is this all a shoot, by the way? For real, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's the real deal. The real deal. There's even a song about it. It's a famous song. <laughs> so he saved the kid's life with a fishing line. Saved the kid's line. life. <laughs> Saved his life. What was his laugh? <laughs> and what would he do if? Uh, what do you do if you want to get a girl like really into it? Into like a, the get mood? so hot and horny. <laughs> By doing what? 
kissing the inside of their thigh. That's true. Right there. I forgot all about they get that. So, that. They get so hot and horny. So Ed was like this weird guy. He was also uh, Mr. X in the Mr. WWE. He was Mr. X in Texas. Okay. He was the Texas champion. He was Mr. X, the first Mr. X. Okay, because there's many sure more there's, afterwards. Yeah, there's 12, yeah. Um, and then he had some kind of belt buckle to show us that was kind of like, just looked like a rodeo belt buckle, but I was like, all right. That made him a champion. Well, when you're a kid, you don't know. Well, yeah, it's like, right. Whoa, okay, he must be legit. And then he was the Goto Hills Savage. He was the Goto Hills Savage. Goto Hills is like uh, area in Calgary. And he was, oh, sorry. The Goto Hills. And he was the Goto yeah. Hills Savage who had um, – he's basically an old man that wore a red spandex costume. He lived in the woods. Lived in the woods. He had big boots that were literally like a chessboard of fur. fur. And a vest that was fur <laughs> that my mom made for him. Because my mom made all of our outfits. All of our outfits, yeah. Dude, sorry, just, is, is this supposed to sound really creepy? Because that's the vibe I'm getting it was, from this yeah. whole yeah. thing. Yeah, the dude. spandex. So, and anyways, yeah. yeah. And um, so he wore all that. He'd wrestle with everybody. My favorite is when he'd get his teeth. He used to wear false teeth, and they'd fall out during his matches. It's <laughs> a good high spot. that happen? happened all the our time. Our second match, they fell out. <laughs> our second, Jericho and I's first tag match. Uh, the sudden impact was against Ed Langley and a guy named Steve Gillespie. Steve Gillespie. <laughs> former tag team. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Hannibal. And Ed's teeth fell out and he had to scramble to pick him up and put him back in. But so, that happened almost every match. But I remember even earlier than that, he was working in our camp against that guy, Mike. We called him, uh, it wasn't Eric. It was a guy called Mike, and Ed shot him off the ropes. And I gave me a big hip toss. <laughs> Watch the hip toss. Watch the hip toss. Gave him a hip toss and went ha. And when he went ha, his false teeth fell out. Every match. And this is in camp, and he's our boss, like me and Lance's boss. And we're like, you can't laugh, My but that's super give a funny. Hip toss almost there, and then he'd be like, uh, you want you want more of that? And he'd give another one. You like want two you, hip tosses? You like that one? one? Here's more. another one. Here's another one. <laughs> So and he would do the same moves every match. It was always the hip toss and then a drop kick to like, you know. How five. did Ed Langley get involved with the hearts to where he was training? Do you so know? he knew Keith. Or he met Keith somehow. And then he told Keith like he had a building. So he that's how they ended up getting set up somehow. And then for somehow, he, then from there, he got Keith, I think, to show him how to do a few moves. And there was some kind of a book that Stu had written that had like all the plans of it how to train somebody. Book. It was I almost want to think it was a Luthes how to train book. somebody because I had it for a little while. He had lent it to me to like because you study. were the trainer, and it was just basically different moves. It was like a Luthes move by move wrestling book. Okay, so let me which was crazy because back in the day, kayfabe was really big. Yeah. So the fact that he even had this was like, and that's time. why we bought it. And and Don, we'll get into your neck of the woods here. This you got to listen for a bit, which is hard for you to do. I'm disturbed by these Ed Langley stories. But say. when when we when we showed up in Calgary, Lance and I, and after a couple of weeks, when it kind of the dust settled, and he realized that Lance and I were the only two guys that had any chance of making it, he would well, start and Victor and Victor, right? Vic, Victor Wild. <laughs> He would start telling us about the legend of Lenny St. Clair, the bad seed. Stay away from Lenny St. Clair. Don't go near Lenny. Am I right? Yeah. No, Do you remember this? Yeah. He wanted to keep And uh, so we didn't know anybody. We were just like, this Lenny St. Clair is an asshole. Like, yeah, what's, what, what's his problem? Though. How did you have the fallout with Lenny or with, uh, with Ed? Because eventually I started calling him on his stuff. like Germany. So, oh, yeah. That's another thing. Every camp, and he said the same thing to me. He'd had, he had a couple people come out. The referee, um, was it Herman? Her Herman, 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 Herman? Herman. Came out with another dude. 
Uh, you're gonna go to Germany. We're gonna get you all set up. You're gonna be there for like two months. You're gonna live in a caravan. I was all, dude. I'm like, I don't know, 18 or whatever. I'm like, let's do this. Germany. It's gonna be freaking awesome. Um, that never happened. And then I realized every camp he says that to everybody, and he has the same referee come out to every one. Jurgen Herman was the guy. Finally, I used to tell the guys like Brad Young was the, in the next camp. Brad Young was the. He was our big trainer, basically. He, yeah. That so he was the big one next one, and he was your guys' trainer because that's when I was on the outs. Right, you were the blackballed yeah. guy. Because I started telling people, "Don't get your hopes up. That's total bullshit." Yeah, and he was like, "Don't listen to that Lenny St. Clair. He's an asshole." Here, do your best in here. You can get booked on a couple other things that's going on and stuff. Um, don't worry about that other shit because it's bullshit. Okay, so let me. Let's. let's, let's we're, Lance and I. Uh, are in our camp, which is probably a year or two years after this. Jurgen Herman, you guys are going to Germany, and we, we had to film a match <laughs> for Germany. What happened, Lance? I think you were there then. I think no, you started getting back on the ends. I, in I have no idea what the hell this was for. There was a German camera crew. There was the German ref there, and we had to film like three or four matches for something for Germany people. I, German TV, TV is what we were German told. TV. I wrestled Rick Titan, who was Razor Ramon version 2.0. Right. And Joachim Herman, the ref, stood in the middle of the ring with a crown on his head, staring off into the distance. <laughs> and we had to wrestle the match around the dude standing in the middle of the ring with a crown on That's his head. That's how they do it in Germany, dude. It's all about the ref. <laughs> it's like a the round. <laughs> but yeah. Jericho's yeah. was worse. I don't know if you remember. No, I don't. You wrestled, I think you wrestled Gillespie again for the 10,000th horrible match you could ever have with Steve Gillespie. Was it Steve Gillespie or was it Corey Carswell? I, oh, is that was his other name? But there was a... Red Satin Jacket, Corey Carswell. Corey Carswell. <laughs> but there was a woman in a wedding dress standing on the apron eating a carrot while what? you wrestled your match. That sounds I'm, good. <laughs> During the match for the German television. And we're like, what the hell is this for? But we're like, I don't know, we're going to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is something, if Vince wants bigger ratings, he should look into stuff like <laughs> right, this. Right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we're continuing on sitting here with Don, Lenny, and Lance. Now, Lance, do you remember when we went to Banff and, uh, and Langley took pictures of us with the 3D camera? Please. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> he had a 3D camera in 1990. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. Have you ever heard of that before? That wasn't even real. <laughs> he was just making He just wanted pictures of you guys. Yes. Like, we had to go to the mountains, and me and Lance take our shirts off, take pictures, and it was a... <laughs> And he took uh, pictures with yeah. a 3D camera. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yes, I remember seeing. Like, I've never heard of that before, during, or since. Dude, he's probably still using those pictures. He probably is. And I was like, well, we, we never saw. I, did you ever see one? I saw some of the 3D photos. Yeah. Was it a 3D? Uh, it was a real? 3D photos. No, yes. it wasn't. I saw them. It didn't exist. Yeah. I've never it's like seen the it. shitty hologram things you, you, know, you get. As, in like cereal box or but it produced 3D photos. Oh, so I saw them. So many levels right there. So so the thing was, we were told to stay away from Lenny St. Clair, and so now, I was only working in Winnipeg at the time because he had blackballed me from every from Alberta basically. 
So, so you go to Winnipeg to work for the famous for Tony Candelo, who because Tony liked me. How did you get hooked up with Tony? Uh, I'm going to call you Natch, Natural yeah, Natch, yeah. Don Natch. Um, I wanted to get into business, but like honestly, more as a hobby. And uh, I tried to get in through a couple of guys. Uh, Dave Patrician is a guy I know who was a local wrestler, and then one of my buddies I went to high school with, his dad was a wrestler. They both refused to train me, put me on a Tony. So I go to see Tony. He's like, eh, two thousand dollars, and uh, I go, look, I don't have any money. So um, I went down to Tony's hair salon. He had a ring in the basement. It's just absolutely terrible. That sounds like total Pulp Fiction, a ring in the basement. And I was, I was trained by a guy named the, the Tulip. The Tulip! They, oh they, they, never, they never taught me how to take a back bump. I didn't know how to take a clothesline. Um, you couldn't take a backdrop. So I had my first match on TV with a push and didn't know any of that stuff. You had never taken a backdrop or no, a bump No, you couldn't thing. because the, the ceiling was six and a half now feet Now let's high. talk about the Tulip for a second. The Tulip was a guy who was about... He was a skinny fat guy, yeah. and he wore a full pink bodysuit. That was Tony's gimmick he came up in front With green flowers yeah. on it, and he was called the Tulip. I got was to terrible. wrestle him a couple times. My first match in Winnipeg was against the Tulip. So you know how be- yeah, it was awesome. He was great. Did and my second over? match was against Captain Jones, Oof. who was doing a sailor nice. gimmick. Same thing, though. A full body Sailor suit. gimmicks are over, though. Aye, aye, I mean, you can't, Captain. If you can't get over with a sailor gimmick. Where did these guys gimmick? come from? Like, where were the Tulip and Captain Jones and all these guys They gave from? Tony money. Well, Captain Jones' dad St. was James. a very famous wrestler named Bobby Jones, who's since passed away. But um, the, the Tulip was one of many Mr. guys X. who were willing to give Tony money, and then Tony would put them on television for money. And uh, Tony was a terrible trainer in the sense that he wouldn't get in a ring and show you anything, but he was a great trainer in terms of giving you advice. I mean, Tony instilled in me very early... Um, this is a business. You have to respect yourself. Don't go kind of, as he would say, whore yourself out for, for like 50 bucks and do Italian jobs. Accent, right. So when, when Tony, I mean, I used to get heat for this, but when Tony put the belt on me like a year in, which wasn't my call, right? right. Um, I took it serious. And like I kayfabed it. Like I didn't, I didn't have a job bouncing in a bar or whatever because I'm like, well, that'll blow my gimmick. So like I would. What your gimmick was? My gimmick was I'm the Canadian heavyweight <laughs> you champion. Be able to throw anybody out. <laughs> <laughs> like people were banging down. I'd your run door for the door. <laughs> He'd be grabbing his own jacket in the door. Is it, I've often said if Lance could be a bouncer, anyone could. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I, so I would go to the building in a suit, and I would kayfabe. And if I went to the bar, I went to the bar in my like, working my gimmick. Right. So you were kind of doing like a Ted DiBiase million dollar uh, Ric Flair. Like Ric Flair. Ric Flair's right, a big right. Ric Flair gotcha. mark. Gotcha. And uh, so, but he I had no clue how to work. Eat. The first year and a half, I had no clue how to work. I learned how to work. I learned how to take backdrops and back bumps by watching Ric Flair tapes because mm-hmm. no one in our little dojo there knew how to do it or could teach it. They didn't. It wasn't part of it. It was really bad training, but really good training in terms of what Tony would instill in you in terms of take care of your business, respect yourself, be a businessman. Mm-hmm. Always kind of took that forward. So let's go. But he always this. had nice gear. Well, but Natch was like I said, he, he, the natural, which came from kind of a Ric Flair, Nature Boy, yeah, Buddy Rogers, yeah, yeah, the natural, yeah, yeah. and that was kind of your vibe. Yeah. Let's go through the first time we ever met each other. Okay, first time. Oh, someone's trying to get in our room. That's pretty creepy. Go over I there. Hope and they close brought the drinks. Hopefully, they brought. Yeah. This could be kind of uh, creepy here. We got some more people coming. Just close it. Did we have the thing in the door? <laughs> I just leave your door open. It's Don't fine. left it open. We're in downtown Times Square, New York City. 
2014. Uh, it's from uh, June 27, from 2014. Boston Red Sox versus New York What's Yankees. The I'm asking my uh, the, who, everyone listening, go on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho and tell us who won that game. That well, what, won that game. What's the expiry date on that condom on the floor? <laughs> Just in case. You might want to use it tonight. <laughs> so the first, so uh, I'm going to go through. Lance. The first time I met Lance was when I pulled up at the uh, at the Hotel Willingdon. Uh, which is very classy. Very classy. The restaurant was called the Tray slash the Ashtray. Ashtray, which is what it, food tasted like. I pull up and it's like John Candy and uh, Steve Martin when the train breaks down and planes, trains, and automobiles. And John Candy's got the giant truck in his trunk and he's trying to carry it. And then Steve comes and picks up the back end. And that's kind of what I remember seeing Lance, who I thought had stick legs and a pot belly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, still has the stick legs. <laughs> wow! So, and that's. Do you remember this? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah. And, and which, what are you seeing? This green shitty car pulling up, and oh, I, right. I was seeing the first guy that I thought had a clue of doing anything athletic, because <laughs> I had got there before, because they picked me up in Calgary when I flew in and drove us half hour out of town to Okotoks, and dump us at this dump motel, and we're all staying on the same floor, and there's Edvin Barrel, the big fat guy from Drumheller, there's. The professional archer, Victor Wilde. Were you saying Victor and Debbie weren't specimens? Yeah. Debbie was like some Debbie. weirdo who tried to, she tried to cut out the roots in her hair. Instead of yeah. cut them out. the hair, she decided to cut out the dark the, roots. They were growing out. So did you bang Debbie? I did not. Okay. But I did wrestle with her out in Vancouver. What? She was wrestling out there for a while, and she wrestled there. And it was just as... She wrestled on TV before we did. Where? CNWA. She really. She got on. Yeah. Wrestled like Desiree Peterson like three weeks before. We this did. was a, this was a girl who came to show up to wrestle. She was the only female, and she was she came brutally to looking. And started doing like rolling, rolling down the aisles of this. Because you worked at, at the at, at the, the gas station, Petter Canada. Canada. She's rolling down the aisles between show, the Twinkies show and what the she was nuts. Learning, and I was like thinking, all right, this is like. I don't and then, she, like I said, she had the the intelligence of a kumquat. She needed to wear a helmet to walk around. <laughs> she did. Okay, so 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 you show up, Lance, at the Willie, and there's all these idiots. What are you doing? Just hanging out in the street, like waiting for this car to pull up, or what? I, I think it was like I'm walking down the hall. Everybody's in their rooms, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on here? There's, there's nobody here that has a clue." And there was the fire exit down the one side, and I was out in the fire exit just trying to get as far away from the Looney Tunes as I could. And I think I saw you pull up. And out comes a guy that actually looks like he's been to a gym, you know, played a sport in his life. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's somebody. I'll go talk to him. He's got a, he's got a wicked mullet. What would you say? I, he said played a sport in his life, and I said water polo. It's the only water, sport he played. I was a water polo all-star. Oh, fuck yeah, he didn't play anything story, else. Lettered in water polo. Who, the, who ever heard of that? So total work. You can't even touch the bottom, eh? You got to swim the whole time. Okay, so that's what I put. Do you remember, like, the trunk? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. There was the, it was, like, a really old trunk, but it, it was big. It's like my mom's trunk from, like, 1961, and it had all my stuff in it. So that's the first time I met Lance. Yep. First time I met Lenny is with the... Because the, the, uh, of Victor. Because why? Oh, cause Victor Vi- used to come to where I worked, and we talked to Let's say, like, he would come to the Petrocan Petro at I midnight late, where you were working. Night, right. And so I, I was... in your footsteps, dude. So you worked there you later. Worked the pe- yeah, you worked, worked there too. That's right. That's yeah. right. You both did. So, because I was only, I'd go out to Winnipeg. We'd do tours whenever Tony had tours, and I'd do the TV. And then other than that, I worked at this gas station because, I mean, you need to make money, right? Right. And so I was blackballed. No one was supposed to. But then Victor used to, in Okotoks, nothing else is open. There's nothing there. It's like, this is the only thing open after midnight right. or after 10. 
Yeah. So Victor used to come in and used to talk to me, and we actually got along. And Victor this was is very Vic, likable. Vic, very like Victor Wilde was about five foot seven. Looked like uh, Latka, Latka from Taxi, and he was the archery champion who made yeah. the logical step from archery wrestling. to wrestling. He's in your book. You he's in my book, and actually, he's the only, he's number three in the list of my uh, heart. Brothers Camp graduation guys Lance and Chris are one and two Lance you can be first and Victor is num- <laughs> Victor is number three he actually worked shows he did yeah, managed he, and wrestled he was yep. Benson Surreal because his name was Victor Benson Surreal DeWild and when he was trying he to was think of a surreal. name I was like Benson Surreal is your name but he would always come and tell me and Lance hey Lenny's a great guy well you stay away from him Ed said he's a bad seed stay away from him he's actually a great guy so I went to the Petrocan one night to buy whatever. My dad gave me a credit card. I would buy dinner on it, bologna and ho-hos or whatever. Whatever you could get by when you're starting yeah. out. And I remember meeting Lenny. And you. Were, I, what, do you remember what we no, talked about? You know, I, don't, I remember meeting you guys first on that bus. What bus? Remember, I got somehow – I don't know what happened because, you know, there's not a lot of talent going around. Right. Right? So I knew just waiting out, Ed was going to call me. So there was a show, and Ed called me. We Hey, we need you for a show. In Rimby. Right? And was it Rimby? Uh, maybe. Was so it? anyway, so I get booked on the show, and I see you guys in this bus. Because Ed had bought a bus he bought this to take us to the show. Partridge Family Bus. And literally, it was the Partridge Family yeah. Bus. And so we're on this bus, and we're driving. I said hi to everybody. Like, I shake hands with everybody on there, like all, like you do. Right. And I'm sitting there kind of minding my own business. And we're like, ooh, that's Lenny St. Clair. That's the bad scene. Everybody's me big time, but that's okay. Because we were told to. I'm cool. Like, stay away from him. And then the bus him. breaks down. Literally. <laughs> the bus breaks down, and I go... It's okay. My dad's got. I can fix this. My dad's got an awesome set of tools. My dad. And then you start cracking up, and you do. And then we started doing. Because that's from Fast Times. Because he, he goes. He goes. He goes. It's okay. My dad's a television repairman. Repair I've got an awesome set of tools. I can fix it. And I was like, wait a second. That's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You're like, started talking, of course. And we had a ton of comment, and then. But you were always kind of like the Fonz, like you were a year slash a decade old, like older with respect, and then we- and I'd wrestle at Stampede Wrestling, which I kind of got a little extra, I guess. Did you, what was your first day in Stampede Wrestling like? Um, scary. Actually, I first went there. I had to set up the ring, so the first couple times I actually refereed. So I had to referee, but it was cool, man. I refereed Pillman, Benoit, uh, Owen Hart, like. All the top guys. I actually learned a lot by refereeing. I refereed for like a week or two, I guess. And the only gross thing was I had to wear um, Dean Hart's shirt, (laughs) which was super traumatizing. (laughs) There was uh, Cameron was there. Larry Cameron. Um, Cameron was like friend of Lance. Roster was awesome. Stampede Wrestling in the late '80s was really good. It was awesome. And so, and then I would sell pitcher, you know, all this stuff young boys have to do. And then all of a sudden I was at the show, I was on my bag, and then they're like, hey, we, we don't have anyone here, you got to be in. Got so to wrestle. Yeah. Didn't so you say you had a jacket with like all these patches on it or something? And I, someone... Well, no, I had all these like rock, I had records and music notes and all this. And I, you know, my mom made stuff. Your, your so, mom, let me just say this your mom, Karen Olson, made gear for all of us in the early days. Like she was the hot shot. Karen Lebray, yes. Sorry, Karen Lebray. Yeah. Mo James Lebray. Mo James Lebray. Right. So she made gear for everybody. Right. For all the guys. Eventually. But at the time, it was just me. But you were like, you had this jacket with all these patches on. Didn't someone Patch- make a comment? So Muck and Sing, total ass lick. 
Um, yeah, so I don't care. Is he dead now? He's dead. I really, I really cried God about rest it. his soul and all that. And so he starts on me. I'm in the dressing room. You know, like everybody does to the rookies. And he's just all over it. And Dynamite Kid's the booker. And Dynamite Kid was super awesome with me. And what did he what did he say to you? So he's like, oh, like, what are you wearing that stuff for? And like, you know, that just looks stupid. And then, and then what do you so, mean your jacket? Yeah. And so Dynamite Kid comes and goes, it's about time someone has some flair in here and tries to do something better. Okay, so Muckin was bugging you, yeah, and Dynamite came in to say, hey, he's totally got flair. Wow. And then he's like, it's about time someone's starting to like try to look professional and be good. And he was super, he gave me tons of advice. Help me out. Because Dynamite um, is kind of the enigma. Like, so everybody talks all this No one even knows him, much right? about him to this day. But to me, when, he, when I was there um, and he was booking, he was nothing but nice. And like my first match, I got a rose from a fan, and he was all about it. And he kept saying – and when I came back, he was telling me how great I did. Who would you like, work? I worked Kim Shaw my first match. Kim Shaw. And, and that's S-H-A-U. S-H-A-U. Kim and Shaw. And after that, I worked him and someone else in the tag. I think the Fosses. Gilles DeFosse. And then the Power Twins. Remember the Power Twins? I worked them a bunch of times. Also known as the Sontag Twins. Why do I know this? I have no idea. Because I read Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So I worked them a whole bunch of, both those guys a bunch of times. Um, So when did, so when did you meet Don the first time? When I was in Winnipeg, I think it was, I don't know if it was my first taping or second, something like that. He pulled up in the limo, and I was looking out, and I was like, "What the heck? There's a limo out there!" And over. And why did you got, suit? And why did these... you drive a limo to the show, Don? Um, well, I was green as grass, but I thought, like, it's TV. I want to make an impression. Him so. and the golden sheik got out of the limo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now let's talk about. It was all the... downhill from there. Let's it was from the limo to right the worst there. match ever. Let's talk about some of the Winnipeg guys because uh, I know we said let's we'll go through how we met yeah. each other before. But Lance and I were in Calgary. And uh, and by the way, when the bus broke down, we had to push that bus until we, we could, could pop the clutch it. and start and it again. Got it going again. Yeah. And then we went to the show. We it, the show went okay as far be. as I remember. Uh, but we all became good friends. Good friends from that. that. So I remember this though uh, that Lance and I were working in Calgary. Tony Candelo. I'm from Winnipeg. Finally, I got the call. Do you want to come to Winnipeg? We went to Winnipeg. You went first. I went first by myself. Oh, you went first by yourself and then put a word in for me after you got there. And that's when I worked the tulip. No. Is that when we had Gillespie's car and we got a flat on the highway? Oh, that was Gillespie's car? That's when we went to the moose and moose jaw and you grabbed his ball bag. Remember the giant moose ball bag? (laughs) That was a couple years later, though. So I remember this, though, finally, because I'm from Winnipeg and finally word got around. There's this hot young upstart from Winnipeg and go to Winnipeg and then uh, working against you at Bumpers. Oh, God. Which was a strip club near the airport where we worked in the famous 8 by 8 ring. Yep. Now, this is legit. 8 feet by 8 feet. In front of 20 people. Yeah, which meant, though, no matter what, you could never get pinned because anywhere you were in the ring, you just reach out and grab the bottom rope. So you had to pretend that you couldn't do it. And I was booked probably in the... Like little mid T-Rex arms. (laughs) Yeah. And I was booked in the Mizanies event against... The natural Canadian heavyweight champion. Uh, you can, yeah, do, yeah. do you remember this match? I do remember because I match. do like it's yesterday. Yeah, what do you I, remember I the think match? I'm still sore from it. <laughs> okay, what happened? <laughs> Tell me what happened. Well, uh, I don't. I don't remember like how they put us together. I don't remember any of that. I, I just was a hot young upstart challenging. All, all the title. I remember is that, um, and I mean, I was a heel. I was used to calling the stuff, and he would get very excited in the ring. And I was especially just about what to be- say before you said anything, I was going to say, was he very excitable? Yeah. <laughs> 
And and he, like you know, I mean, we're trying to get him. Like even then, like you're in the business, I'm trying to get him to slow down because it's like he's gonna hurt me. <laughs> so so fast. so he blow the humback, uh, the comeback out. <laughs> I I blew a humpback whale. What? What? So he blowed his comeback, and he he's bumping you all over or whatever. And then it's like, and it's like 1990, right? So. I've never seen this before. He shoots me in the corner. He goes, watch the drop kick. I'm like, watch the drop kick. What am I supposed to do? And guy I dr- run in the corner, give him a Brian Danielson. Drop Daniel kicks Brian, me in the corner. Right in the face. And I'm like, what? It wasn't like it was stiff. I'm just like, what a stupid thing to do, you know? So I uh, watched the New Japan tape like a week right. before. That so, so, like, had. so whatever. I don't even know what the finish was, but I just remember coming back and Bob Brown was waiting for me. He's like, Jesus Christ, drop kick him in the corner. He's got nowhere to bump. <laughs> Now, I remember this. I remember uh, I whipped you in the corner, and I said, come out of the corner, watch the belly-to-belly suplex. And you were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, just do it. <laughs> and it's like not even a move. It's stiff it's, as shit, it's too. It's not even a big deal, but you had never Landed seen on you before. like a ton of bricks. And I think Lance had probably done that in camp because you were a Steiner fan. And that was a Steiner move. And probably like, ah, oh, Lance, I remember So you decided you tried for the first time on me. Thank you. <laughs> that was nice. a live festival crowd. <laughs> 20 people. So let's talk about we started in the business and Bob Brown, who we – I didn't know anything about Bob Brown because there was no internet at the time. There was wrestling magazines, but it was very much, you know, WCW, NWA, W. We didn't know who Bob Brown was. So Bob Brown was the booker in Calgary when Lance and I started and Lenny, and also in Winnipeg when all four of us were there. And kind of an asshole. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Bulldog. So I think Bob, like, now that I look back on it, like, he's 55 years old. He's been the top guy in Kansas City forever. Dude, he looked like he was 80. Yeah, yeah. He was an old guy. He had a typical stick legs, big barrel chest, big derby gut, crew cut, very short. Looked a lot like Lance. Yeah, Yeah. dumbass crew cut. Thanks, man. Yeah, Lance, if Lance had no body whatsoever, right? He did have the pin legs in the spare tire. (laughs) (laughs) He thought it was Bob Brown the first day he met me. (laughs) But he hated the young guys, or he hated me. I'm well, not and sure. I think he hated, he hated okay. you. And I think yeah. Bob, in his in Bob's defense, and I think I should come to Bob's Please defense because he probably hated me almost as much as he hated but you. But you knew Bob better than any of us did. Yeah. So I think Bob's deal now is like he was a star in Kansas City, and now he comes to Winnipeg, and he's working in front of thirty people in a bar. And instead of kind of like embracing it and trying to help the young boys, he tried to keep up his image. You know, he still had the Missouri plates on his Cadillac. Really? And, and uh, Cadillac, too. Yeah. Right. And, and so he. It, and he had one of those suits. I remember Stephen King writing about, like, he wore this suit. He had the same suit all of Yes. And I remember uh, the Stephen King that he wears, it was, it was worn so much that it was shiny from, it, the, from, the, from, the, from the thread starting to break. Oh, yeah. One day, Bob Brown saw me walking uh, into my... I saw that I had dry cleaning in the back of my car. So I got some suits dry cleaning. Oh, what a mark. Going to the dry cleaner. You should get yourself one of those wash and wear suits like me. You just throw it in the washing machine. This is what he had, right? Good advice, as it turned out. But it, so so Bob, Bob's deal was, though, that I think he... he instead of trying to help the young guys, he, he would mess with the young guys, right? Right. And, and so... After a while, and this has probably been to my detriment in the business, I can take a lot of shit. I can eat a lot of shit. But eventually, it's like, if you start to treat me like I'm dumb, I'm probably going to call you on it and make you feel stupid. you're very intelligent. Well, well thank nah, you. Nah, you are. Oh. Let's be honest. So, it's the one thing so I just remember nice Bob, like, you know, 
we'd have these tag matches. I was always his tag team partner, and I'd do all the work and take all the bumps. I didn't care about that because I liked taking bumps. It was fun, like back then. Right. And uh, <laughs> you know, so he'd have me doing all the work, and and but then he'd give me shit afterwards. He got over and, it fairly quickly. And he'd say to me, he "Goes, huh? I don't know what you're complaining about. You get the pin every night, and, and like even a year into the business, I go." Yeah, but you're coming in and gimmicking the guy with the brass knuckles and put me on top, and you're getting all the f- heat, right? Right, right. So like, don't, so he didn't like that because it's like, oh my, we were my onto his game. You were not onto the game, and so he would just mess with guys unless you were like a puppy dog for him and like do whatever he said. If you question anything, now you had heat, and right. it was like old school mess but, with. But I you, think it was right? insecurity. It's like he wanted that top spot, and didn't want anybody else to get over. Which is what his booking methodology was. It was weird because he booked everywhere. He booked Winnipeg. He booked Calgary. He booked the Maritimes. And we used to, we call now we call him the Territory Killer. But but he always booked everything the same way. He picked that one young baby face so he could tell the promoter that you know, hey, I'm pushing this new kid, yeah. and he'd push the baby face to beat all the heels, and then he'd face Bob for the title, and Bob would beat him. And from what I understand, he did that in Stampede too with Benoit and Pillman. Yeah. I remember Benoit said the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. He, same thing. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels. Because he took over for um, Dynamite when Dynamite left. Right. Bob came in. So I remember having to drive him around for the first week till he had his till he got his Cadillac up. <laughs> and he killed that territory. And then he went to CNWA. But I remember I remember if you talk to Sean about it in in Kansas City, he did the same thing with either Sean or Marty. Marty Gennetti. He loved Marty. He, maybe it was Marty yeah. Gennetti. So he would he would like you said book himself against us and then beat us. You know what I mean? And I, but I do remember this. The first time we did promos in CNWA, besides the fact that I was just doing David Lee Roth lines, there's a fine line between a pat in the back and a kick in the pants, so let's dance. When David Lee Roth says that, it's pretty cool. When Chris Jericho says that in 1990, it's pretty freaking lame. Daytime's you were still the better of the, the two nighttime of us. is the, the right time. time, Daddy. That's Paul Stanley from uh, Kiss Animalized. <laughs> the daytime is the fine time, but the nighttime is the right time. Oh, yeah, woo. Uh, so anyways. Lance quote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have I should have quoted somebody. <laughs> he could have quoted Peter Chris at least somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Chris on the drums. <laughs> so I remember one time our first round of promos in CNWA, which I sat- should have quoted Helen Keller. <laughs> what does it even mean? Same thing. Yeah, she, she couldn't talk. So shut the hell up. we had this big uh, uh, promo thing in CNWA, and I was supposed to wrestle Bob Brown. I was like, Bob Brown, you're old man, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid. That's blah, blah, stupid. Blah. I didn't know any better. Yeah. And then Bob told me, and I learned to this day, I still tell people this. He said, listen, come here. He said, here's the problem. He goes, you just called me fat. You called me old. You called me out of shape. You called me stupid. He goes, when I beat you. And I will be beating you. <laughs> He's over with me right now, just for a minute. <laughs> you just got beat by a fat, old, stupid idiot. So that makes you a fat, old, stupid idiot, you idiot. And he walked away, and I was like, wow, that's some makes good sense. advice, actually. Very, yeah. It's great advice. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I'm not, like, I look back at Bob Brown now after doing this for a long time, and if I met a guy like me at that time, I wouldn't have been as bad as him, but I would have had the same mindset. The themes that he told us were were right about slowing down, about like don't bury the other guy in a promo. It's just all the messing around with us that he did on the side that was shitty. Because I remember Lance and I, we were working with him wherever we were, and he's like, "You do all these high spots." It was Winnipeg. I thought we were getting fired. I was. <laughs> what happened? Because we were the tag team. We were the tag team. We were working with Bob and. 
I again, I'm job scared. I'm like, I'm just this new kid. It's like, I'll do it's what like, I'm who's told. Who's this idiot I'm and, tagging and with? Jericho it's just an idiot. will speak up, and Bob. I think you had a match with him and decided, well, if he wants to book me with him, he's going to have to do my stuff. So you started trying to call spots with him. <laughs> Dick. The 40-year better. You. <laughs> why should he do your stuff? You're green as grass well, and he's an old guy. Here's the reason why. Be- again, it's like we were in Winnipeg. Tony booked us because we did nice stuff. And then Bob booked him in a match where he couldn't do but nice stuff. But here's what he said to me. He goes, he goes, what the hell are you doing out there? I said, you weren't calling anything. He says, call? I've never called anything in my life. I've been working for 40 years. I've never called a spot in my life. I'm like, so what does that mean? Who's calling something? Are we just going out there and just doing whatever? If you're not saying anything, somebody has to. And that's why I started. Business, 35 years, ain't never called no high spots. And that's what, and I'm like, so what would you, what, what's, what was my recourse? He's- Your recourse is to wait to the 30-minute mark so we can throw the backdrop on you. <laughs> and then it would be done. You'd be fine. Tackle, drop down, get the headlock again. People start chanting, boring. He goes to me, now we got him, kid. <laughs> and then he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I wrestled him once when they... And he jumps you in the throat. <laughs> he, he turned himself babyface, if you can believe it, at one point. And, I had, to, I, and I had to wrestle him. And I, I called. He was such a good heel. I called way. basic spots for him, and he he couldn't follow it. See, and that's the thing. That was my point. Like even at at, at twenty years old, twenty years old, yeah. I was like, okay, listen, I've got nothing but respect. I love wrestling. Trust me. But you aren't calling anything. You're not doing anything. What am I supposed to do? And then he goes, I worked Ric Flair ninety minutes in Kansas City with Bruiser Brody. He goes, you're gonna go to Japan because last night I had a gig in Japan. He goes, you're gonna go to Japan and do all those high spots. They're gonna hate you there. Really? In Japan? Well, the, the classic, the classic, Japan? Line, the classic really? line was, what are you going to do when you go to Japan where they don't do no high spots? <laughs> you try to do high spots in Japan, they'll laugh and kill you. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. And it's like, and then, so here's the, here, let's go fast forward, fast forward, fast yeah. forward. You just told me the other day that you're listening to Flair's podcast and they're talking about Bob Brown and what's the quote? Ric Flair, like every week on his podcast, says that the hardest matches he had we're with Bob Brown in Kansas City. Michael Hayes said, and I, I'm, this isn't me talking. This is me Michael quoting Hayes, Michael Hayes. You go on the Flair podcast and listen. I'd rather eat the crotch out of a dead horse than go an hour with Bulldog Bob Brown. I mean, <laughs> but here's the thing with Bob, right? And this is where my heat started with him. So when I wrestled Jim Brunzel in '91, which was a huge break for me because I grew up and Jim idolizing. Brunzel, and in Winnipeg, Jim Brunzel was a big star. I idolized the High Flyers growing up. So I get to wrestle Jim Brunzel in '91, and I'm scared shitless. I go out, and we have a really good match. 25 minutes, he, he takes me. So he tells me afterwards, he goes, look, I'm wrestling for Baba in All Japan. They're looking for junior heavyweights. I'm going to talk to Fuji, and I'm going to try to get you in there on a tour. I'm one year in the business, and I'm going to All Japan. So I'm like, like six foot three junior heavyweight. But yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, but whatever. Right, whatever. I would have got killed if I'd the One or two things would have happened. I would have retired, or I would have adjusted. I like to think <laughs> I'd have adjusted, but I don't know. I wasn't ready to go to All Japan, but it right. doesn't matter. He was going to take me it was there. The, yeah. Bob found out. Now, Bob had been going. Now, Bob in All Japan, I can't even fathom this, but I mean. Did he ever go to All yeah, Japan? Yeah, the, the Capital Sports tracksuit. Because he dude. said he worked Bruiser Brody in Japan, from what I remember. He worked saying. Bruiser Brody everywhere in, in Kansas City Bro, as well. Because in what, a two minute squash? He worked Bruiser Brody in the main event for Tony on an AWA show in Winnipeg. I, I, how? I, I know. So, but when, when he found out I was going to All Japan, uh, all of a sudden, I had nuclear heat with Bob, you know, and that was the deal. Like, if something good was happening for you, you had heat, right? And that was it because he couldn't, 
He couldn't just be happy that he had a really good career, whatever. He'd made a living in the business, right? Probably had a fun life, lots of good stories. Like, be happy for the Jerichos and the Lances and the Lennies and the whatever. He couldn't do that. It's right. like he's still bitter. It's like, dude, like, you're 58. Like, let it go. Like, just... And I had heard some rumors that he was in... He had... WWE tryouts or something WWE and they were cutting the oh my god so, so what he used to do right is Vince would come to town and they'd use Bob to book the enhancement the talent. local guys yeah right. right so Tony had always told me he's like don't ever do jobs on Vince's TV when they come to town because it'll kill you like you're you know so Bob was his booker Tony would put all the money into putting guys over and then Bob would book them all to be jobbers on Vince's TV in the early 90s when you were like you really didn't get anything, right? Right. And I'd say to Bob, like, we're all getting pushed on TV. What are you booking us for? And and, and so I was the only one locally who wouldn't do it. And uh, he'd go, Jesus Christ, $150. What's wrong with you? Right? Yeah. And I'd be like, but we're all on TV. Like, we're not supposed to be doing this. But it was just all about him trying to get over with Vince, and he figured he could get in there. Now, I remember one time in Calgary that was it Keith that was trying to get us to work uh, job matches or whatever. But you were actually con- contemplating it, Lance. I was thinking about it. I forgot all about it, but yeah, I think they did TV. The Saddle Dome? Uh, yeah, but I think they had some in Regina and Saskatoon, too. But yeah, they did some of the Saddle Dome, and it was... Yeah. And he was like, you should go try out yeah, and be Yeah, he a... was trying to talk me into doing it. It was right. a foot in the door, and it's like, yeah, we're like, what, you know, 30 matches into our career. If that. And I decided, it's like, no, I'm... I should not be seen by anybody important yet. Right, right. And the thought of just being a squash guy on TV, it's like, are we going to get labeled for life? But like you said, that was kind of the, like, you should go, you get your foot in the door, they can see you can do a drop kick. I remember that. You can do a great drop kick, go out there and do a drop kick and see what happens. Hire some dumb kid that has it's a like, I think kick. the Hardy Boys are the only guys ever to get hired after being job guys. I think that's right. Um, PJ. Jack. Really? Yeah. Cactus Jack did. Really? Yeah, he got yeah. The, the hell beat out of him by the Bulldogs. Okay. Yeah. And just incredible. So and, and so we're talking about Bulldog, and I remember um, this is pretty funny. So we're with Bulldog, and we we put up with him for years, and all the time. Like I remember, uh, you, I don't know if you guys ever had this experience with him, but we do our show, come back, and Bob would be sitting there completely naked, <laughs> boots on, boots on, naked, yeah. and he'd have his hand on his cock, fondling, fondling, <laughs> fondling his member. <laughs> And the other hand would be on the money. And so he'd take the hand off the cock, start counting with the money, give you the money with one hand and want to shake your hand with the other. And it's like it's like the one of them in New York City uh, uh, put, the, put, the, put the ball into the cup. Which one's the cock? Which one's the money? Should I shake? He's playing what's that? The Monty or, or? full? Mo- oh yeah, yeah, the game with the with the cups. And it's like it's like it's like cock roulette. It's cock roulette. Which and, one is? and he used to say like he he. I've heard him say many times in the dressing room when he was standing there nude. He'd be like, "Uh huh." The good Lord gave me everything under the sun except this. <laughs> it's like what else? Did he, what wiener. else did he give you? <laughs> Good looks and intelligence? I don't know. So Under the Sun reminds me of a Bob Brown story that you guys might know. Did you ever hear when he went to Australia? No. So he got booked He goes to Australia. He's booked there for like a three-week tour. First day in, he goes okay. to the beach. He falls asleep on the beach Dick and Murdoch nobody wakes him. him up. And he's laid out there for ten hours. He gets third-degree sunburns. <laughs> and he spends the whole spends four weeks in a hospital and misses the whole That tour. was a Dick Murdoch rib. They he's left got, him on the beach. He's got a full front. The rest of it's pitch white on the back, but the full front part of it is pitch red. And he's at, like he's in the hospital with sunburns. <laughs> so I remember that we go on this tour, and you were there, Lance, and I'm, I'm sure all of us were on it. 
it was about 92 and i remember this specifically we were in thompson manitoba in june and it was snowing in winnipeg and uh jerry morrow was with us and then we were all sleeping in the same room and i remember the lights went out and he goes jerry morrow a great guy but a very strange accent haitian <laughs> english French. grew up in martinique right didn't wear shoes German. till he was 12 years old right yeah. great worker and he, he said let's go hey chris what he goes tonight i'm gonna f- you in the ass when you wake up you try to fart and you go <laughs> and I'm like, that's great, Jerry. And I'm like, what if he's serious? So anyways. <laughs> now, now, so, so Jerry Morrow, the first time I meet Jerry Morrow is in 92, and him and I are working YouTube. I've never met Jerry before. So the first <laughs> he, thing that happens is Bulldog. He brought us in for this. Yeah, Bulldog comes. Not a bad main event. Chris and Lance versus. That'd be a good main event Nats right now. Jerry Moore. It, absolutely. Yeah. As long and, as you weren't in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you could, you could build the promos. Someone's got to get a little heat. Uh, so, uh. So the first thing that happens is Bob Brown comes to the dressing room and he goes, Oh, someone soaked my underpants. I know it's that Jerry Morrow. But, you know, he doesn't tell it when Jerry's around. What does around. that mean? They, someone soaked his uh, underwear in beer. <laughs> so, so I go and... Uh, no, it wasn't me. It was someone else stooged it off to Jerry. So Jerry had done it so that he could heal on Bob. So in front of the whole dressing room, he's like, he's like, hey, you piece of shit. You say I suck your stuff. I don't do that. I fucking slap you. <laughs> so that was how like my experience with Jerry started. But let me just, when we first worked with Jerry, what does he say about the comeback? Oh. Booty, booty, boom. Fucking drop, drop, kick, drop, back kick. Drop. I don't give a drop. fuck. Just beat the shit out of me. Whatever you want, back, drop, drop, kick, whoever the fuck you want. So. And we're like, What? Back kick, drop, <laughs> bump, what? And he gets hot if you don't understand him. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, so I've never talked to him, and now we're talking over this match. So the finish was going to be, um, I think it was Lance was going to splash Jerry. Yeah, Jerry with a splash. I, I used to do a top rope knee drop for a finish. So I was when Lance splashes Jerry for the pin, I'm coming off the top with a knee drop on top of Lance. Lance moves, I knee drop Jerry. Jericho <laughs> drop kicks me out of the ring, and they pin Jerry for the win. No, he pins Jerry. Anytime we won, Lance pinned him. Right. Because you launched, took the I heat. You're like yeah. Bulldog. Yeah. So uh, so Jerry now, he knows he's going to take this top rope knee drop from me. He doesn't say anything. Just before we go to the ring, he hasn't spoken to me. He looks at me. He goes, he goes, hey, if you hurt me, I fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's a hell of a way to go to the ring. He's a scary guy. Yeah, he's a big dude. Very and he's scary crazy. guy. Yeah. If you hurt me, <laughs> I kill you. It's the lightest <laughs> knee drop ever. <laughs> So we're on this Thompson tour, and Bob was getting on my case. For some reason, he thought I was like a, w- a wasteoid. He thought I was always drunk and always high. Just like Kerry Von Erich. Just like Kerry Von Erich. He's always drunk. He's always high. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, because we were talking about this earlier about how why would Bob Brown put up with me? At this point, I was done with Bob Brown. I had enough of him. I didn't care. Blackmail me. Kick me out. I'm sick of this fucking old guy talking all this shit so i said all right i went to uh, robin's donuts and thompson and i bought a bunch of jelly donuts and i was like okay I'm, you think someone you think some carry von eric i'm going to show him something so uh <laughs> i come into the room i take the jelly donut powder and i put it all under my like a mustache of powder <laughs> i walk into the room like and you guys are all in there for, for some sure. reason you might have even told me we're in room 22 so you have a white hitler going on white hitler and bob's like Opens the door. What the? What are you doing? Hey, Bob, man. <laughs> and I'm doing the worst Spicoli Bob Dylan 65. Hey, man. 
where's my room, man? I can't even find it. And he's like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, where's, what are we doing? And I'm like, I'm just going to leave. And I go to leave and I go and walk in the closet. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is not my door. What am I doing? And I leave. And did he talk to you about this? So, so he, he comes to me and he's, he's burying Jericho. And he's like, and I mean, we're friends by this point, right? Yeah, we're good friends. He's, he's like, he's like, oh, he's just like Gary Von Eric. He's always high. He goes, he's dangerous, you know? So like, so the rib was like four days later. We're in Winnipeg. We're finishing up. And I'm working Chris every night. And we're doing the 15-minute Broadway that's 35 every night. Because Tony Tony's, Tony's out time. smoking and he couldn't keep time. So we got it all set up for like 15 minutes. Like five, four, three, two, one. No bell. Tony's not there. He's outside. He's supposed to ring the bell. We just keep going, 15 right? 15 minutes to the left. Huh? <laughs> so we're, we're pulling 35 every night. So by the end of the tour, like I've had enough of Bob too. So, uh, so I, and he's figuring Jericho is a drug addict. So I come into the dressing room and like I'm acting crazy like I'm like bouncing off the walls I'm doing somersaults on the floor and so he goes to Tony and says so instead of Jericho was like just like Kerry Von Eric and then I became oh, he's just like Jericho always stoned <laughs> my favorite with you with Bob when you had enough because Bob used to always do the overhand chop and get you right in the throat yeah every yeah, time yeah. I remember once he's just like screw this he chops me one more time I'm punching him in the head and every night, Bob would chop you in the throat, and you'd just haul off and punch him square in the head. <laughs> and he never knew it was a receipt. He'd be in the locker room and say, oh, somebody's got to teach your partner how to throw a punch. <laughs> he didn't. Bob didn't chop, he slapped. Yeah, and, the they, yeah, and there's yeah. a difference between yeah, chopping big, and slapping. Big difference. Yeah, those overhand chops, which if you ask Regal, Pillman used to do that, and Regal was like, he hated it. Yeah. But Bob's were even worse because he would just come across and basically slap you, you in the larynx. Well, you, you couldn't. Yeah. You, you can, there's nothing you can do. And the thing about Bob, too... He had those, what do you call them, those really bad K-H diaper blue tights? He had a K-H extra large <laughs> diaper blue gimmick tights. where the elastic was not tight on his legs. Yeah, it just kind of hung down. 20 years old. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about, you mentioned Tony Candelo. And Tony like, is kind of reached legendary status as this promoter who st still promotes to this day. Yeah. And it was the famous... Uh, you'd go to the Indian reservations in the summer, winter, whatever it may be, the Tony Candelo death tours, which the you Nor guys... Northern tours. Northern tours. Northern now, Tony would book them, and you guys all did them. I never did. Some of us more than one. I'm going on the record. I never did a Northern <laughs> tour. I did a Bob Holiday summer tour. But Tony also got all of our names wrong. What were you? Oh, God. What was that? Land. Oh, was Landstorm. 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 And where were you? I've been. I was vampiro. Canadian trip. vampire. Canadian vampire one trip. <laughs> why? I don't know why. Did you know this beforehand? No, I showed up there and he's like. He's on the poster. I don't know. He's on the poster, so you have to be in for a week. <laughs> what does he count, Floyd? I don't know. He's, he's on the poster. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Blah blah blah. <laughs> can you just, just as a side note? Can you imagine Tony booking Vamp, the actual Vamp? <laughs> 
Well, supposedly that... Might book that as a rib. <laughs> so I was there, so I had to be that for a week. Other than that, he got my name right most of the time. I remember Tony Candela one time on this tour. It was supposed to be Marty Jannetty versus Muck and Sing. Ugh. Muck and Sing re- didn't show up, and Marty Jannetty... And- didn't show up. <laughs> and co- Tony... Because <laughs> they weren't booked. Tony goes on the mic and goes, uh, Mary, Mary Jetty... Was supposed to be here, but he got detained at the border for drugs, so he couldn't make it through. Every night. So talk about the the death tours. You guys did them. You guys would go. uh, So it was actually really cool, like, for me, because I I, I got to go to, I've been to every, I think, um, First Nation uh, in Manitoba and in in Ontario. It's really cool, because the people are great. Yeah. Um, so what the gimmick is is in the winter, these places are only accessible. These places are only accessible by Winter Road or fly. Meaning in. a frozen lake. So basically, it's a path they've cut through uh, lakes and forests. Have you ever you seen? Can only drive it about five miles. Five an miles an hour. Have you ever seen it. ice truckers on A and E? That's us going to. Well, that's you guys going yeah, to the. Don't match. say us. Chris. I was too smart for that. Please don't. Hey, say I was us. already making two grand a week in Mexico, <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> You were dating Mexican actresses. We were That's on the true. Winter Roads. Yeah. I, was dating, I was dating the Mexican version of uh, Destiny's Child, but the third, Someone not Beyonce, him. the third one. <laughs> so, so no, but I mean, it was, uh, I don't know. And I got talked into this and it was like, oh yeah, you should come. Because I'd never gone on any of Tony's tours because I didn't want to. And so we go on this tour and the first day, I kid you not, was 23 hours of driving wow. to get to where we're going. We get there and the guy looks at Tony and goes, what are you doing here? And Tony's like, we got a show. And he's like, you're not booked here, right? So we had to like, hang out for like or? three days. No, Tony didn't send the posters. Oh. So, we had to, so we would get to these places. I didn't in the uh, send nowhere, the posters. And like, again, phenomenal people. But there's no hotels or anything. So you sleep on the floor of the gym that you just wrestled in. If you're lucky, you get those blue mats. You know those big blue mats? Yeah, those yeah. gym mats. If they have those, that's... Did you bring your? Own, you have to bring your own sleeping bag. Your own yeah, sleeping bag. right. Unless you're Jerry Morrow, then you just have a jacket <laughs> with a hoodie. <laughs> Nobody and a gave lot of gimmicks. <laughs> and a lot of gimmicks. Dude, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd. What's walk that in rattling in his bag? There's a silhouette of him with a hoodie. He looks like Kenny from South Park walking and walking down the aisle. Hey, brother, I can't do a good Jerry Morrow, but ask me for bills. I bought you a bill. <laughs> So like, Jerry and I'd be like, "No, Jerry, but you're really scaring me." And then he'd just keep chucking right on by me <laughs> in the hey, middle of the night, <laughs> going from bed to bed. <laughs> We're doing a bed check for pills. Hey, you have pills. So the the best though was like on the 23 oh, so hours, great. Jerry is like out like a light from whatever, and his head is like smashing <laughs> off the window bed. every well, no, pop, and he, he doesn't he wake would up. Teeter and almost hit it, and they come right back to the middle. Then teeter and almost, and we'd Dump. be like, how, how many times is it going to take before he hits? <laughs> before he wakes up. So you would be traveling all these miles. You would stay in the so you do a, you do a double d- double shot in the place, and then you drive another 20 hours to the next place. And like when I say drive. You're, imagine a, for, a really dense forest, and they've cut like a 10-foot road out of it. So on either Basically, side, there's 100-foot pines. Dead. Yeah, right. you're dead. You're in the middle of nowhere. Right. And it's 40 below. And it just goes on and on and on. And Who's it's driving the van? Tony! Tony, the whole and time. And smoking. Chain smoking the whole time. Smoking. Tony, how far are we? Just around the corner. And Give the, me a Tony like, accent. It, uh, a bit <laughs> like Stu Hart and uh, Tony but Candela. Like, but he's an Italian Italian Stu Hart. Hart. We got the Landstorm, and we got the Canadian Vampire, and the Natural is here. Because Tony's the guy he wanted to, uh, a couple of years ago, or 10 years ago, or whatever it was, he calls me, 
And I'll talk to Tony. He's like one of the, you know, he gave me a shot. Hey, Tony, what's up? I got an idea. We're going to make a million dollars. It's going to be uh, water. Because Tony was importing water from Ontario at the time under like some generic name or whatever. And he was like, we're going to call it uh, Y2J2O. It's going to be. <laughs> You're lucky he you called you and didn't that? just do it. He probably did just I do wish, it. I wish he would have. <laughs> Y2J2O. I, I don't do a good Tony, but I'm like, hey, Tony, that sounds like not a great idea. Are you kidding me? We'll make a million dollars. His new project is, is all, of those, uh, all, of those, all of those all of those old wrestling tapes now that he's got of you from the 90s. The new project is an, a, a new tell-all DVD called One Night in Jericho. <laughs> but do you think about, like, let's think about the guys that went through. That's the ones Ed has. To- <laughs> That's One Night in PJ. What? <laughs> in 3D. We'll leave, as if. we'll leave it at that. No one knows who PJ is except for the four of us here. So um, we're talking about. That's uh, incredible. Uh, uh, all the guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who went through Tony's system? System or territory? Well, territory. I mean, so okay. So in '94, I take over the book because I retired. Lance is laughing harder than I've ever seen in my life. I pop Lance with the incredible. Lance line. is I don't know howling right is. now. Lance. He's howling. Lance T Storm is laughing. Lance T, and the T stands for thunder. <laughs> so in '94, uh, in '94, I take over the book for Tony. Visual evidence right there. And Tony goes, I want you to totally change the territory. Sorry, Lance is having a seizure over here. Lance is smoking. You might have to call the house doctor to come in here. Oh, my God. I think Lance just puked from laughter. (laughs) Okay, so. Back on the (laughs) D-ball. Okay, so who went through? You're talking about guys. Okay, Lance Sinclair. Huge star in Japan. So so those guys. Natural, Jack, Osiris, Lance Storm, Chris Jericho. So, So in 94, I take over the book, and I start bringing in my friends. So you're in Mexico at the time right. and, and everywhere else. And I'm like, uh, I know you want to come and visit your family. So, hey, Chris, you don't come up for a visit. We'll pay your plane fare. I'll pay you, like, not what you're worth. But come up and we'll but have a little fun. But also getting a chance to work On TV, else, right? right? Plus, I was the first person in North America to use you as a heel. Mm-hmm. You probably don't remember that. But I turned I you heel on Lance. You Ooh. guys had a heel program in Winnipeg. Really? So then I started. That? So fired all the local guys except for Chi-Chi Cruz, who was a tremendous worker. Uh, brought Bruce, brought yeah. in Lenny, so now it's all of a sudden okay. Like Bad News Allen's my friend, Jerry Lamoro's my friend, Ricky Martel, Ricky Martel, uh, Rick Titan, uh, and then I said, "Well, you know that Ultimate Dragon guy? You guys are having like best matches in the world for like three or four months. It's like this is awesome." I'm like, well, he's in Mexico. That's not a bad trance. Tell him if he comes up here, I'll put the strap on him because I know that's a big deal in in, in Japan. Even yeah. though our strap means nothing, it so, does. They put you, it in their magazine. So he huge. comes up. So we get Ultimate Dragon up there for one hundred and fifty dollars. And he's having match of the year Candice with Jericho on our TV. And it's all just because of friendships and connections. And, and let me just say this. I remember yeah. this. Uh, we had the Super J Cup a few months later. And Dragon was talking to Liger. And they're talking in Japanese. Like, oh, she goes, it was, it was a WFWS. It's a Winnipeg. Is there a heavyweight champion? Was, yeah. And Liger's like, oh, really? Oh, and you can tell that Liger's impressed. It's a big deal. Asai won the world so, title in, in So, in so our last TV taping was Chris Jericho, Lance Storm, Edge, 
Christian. As the male nurse. As the male nurse. But I also worked as Christian Cage, and I put him over on Lance, which was a good break at the time for him. Um, Johnny Swinger. Boots off. Johnny Swinger, Lenny St. Clair, Paul Lazenby, Rick Titan, Rick Martell, Gama Singh, Jerry Morrow. Bad News Allen. uh, Tim Flower, Bad News Allen. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, Steve Lombardi was even there. I mean, it was a That's great a crew. crew. Johnny Smith was also Johnny, on it. One. All Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, let's talk about this. You had this amazing TV taping, yeah. and when you went back and watched the footage, what happened? So uh, I go in, because I, I did everything. I booked the guys. I booked the angles. I wrestled on All top. The matches were awesome. And I had to cut and the stuff together. So we go It to, was great. It's a three-camera shoot. Seriously, look at that roster. That roster would be good anywhere. And it was, it was everyone delivered. And yep. even guys like Tim Flowers, who was a very... Uh, uh, local Canadian guy. Yep. You had him playing. He was a, he a nut job. Well, Jim was crazy, and it was like, let's have him be a guy who t- likes to take a lot of pills because that was because that's what he was. That was the gimmick, himself. and hey, it was tremendous. That gimmick. <laughs> he had his personal doctor. I mean, it was tremendous. Who was his personal doctor? Uh, doctor Jason Anderson from Calgary. Oh, Jason Anderson. His finish was a. Uh, fix. Which, he, as long as this guy reverses the whip, I can do my finish and throws a clothesline. <laughs> so the crucifix is guy f- throws clothesline, you grab the thing. So to make this finish happen, he would have to shoot the guy off. The guy would always reverse the whip, go for a clothesline, he would do the crucifix. And he'd signal his finish like Jake would with the DDT. He'd do the thing on the finger, hey, I'm going to do my move, and the guy would reverse every As long time. as he reverses it and goes for a clothesline, I win. And you can see him beat me with that on YouTube. Thank you very much. <laughs> So Jason Anderson, who else? There was a lot of lot of great talent, right. and 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 early Adam Copeland slash Edge, Joe Legend, slash all Sexton these guys. There was no one. There was slash Skid because my philosophy at the time was I don't want any jobbers or bad guys in the card. I want something happening in every segment, and I want guys from all over the world who who mean something, and that's exactly what we did. And it was tremendous television. So now I go in, into the editing suite to cut it together, and the hard camera. Is in black and white. Yeah. All the footage is in black and white in the hard camera. <laughs> so I why? I, well, and and I had asked to hire a professional color, con, though, uh, production crew. Tony wouldn't spend the money. Hired a buddy of his. I'm like Tony, your buddy shot the thing in black and white. Is how is that even possible? How can he even do that on a on a on a camera right. in 1997? He's got settings. What did he say? Uh, there's a button on there, and he uh, he pushed the wrong button. He pushed black and white. So we had, so I'm like, there's no button. How can we cut from camera two and three that are colored to the hard camera, which is black and white? And I'm like, maybe we can do like a retro thing. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you do with this? I got, I got an Ultimo Dragon beating me for the title, which we want to show on TV. And it's in black and white. I can't. This is WCW NWO before it's time. So could you not just not use the hard camera, use the uh, ancillary cameras? Uh, that's what we ended up doing. But I mean, it did was Did that ever messy. air on TV? Uh, uh, parts of it did not. <laughs> well, here's the, the thing. Black because, and white parts. because that was 96. And right after that, I hooked up with Martell and a tag team. And then it's like I was focused on getting to WWF. And once I stepped away from Tony's television, there was no Tony's television anymore. Right, right, it was done. Right, and then you were in WCW by that time, and so then people were going their own separate ways, type of thing. So now here's a quick segue. You were talking. I remember Lenny, uh, Lenny, and I were great friends, and you were always telling me about this guy called Skid. What did you like? Why'd you call him Skid? Why'd you like Skid? He looked like Sebastian Bach. Right, and he's a good worker. Or? He was good. I thought he was for a young kid. He was good, and he listened, and he was cool, and. <laughs> Sorry, that's something oh, okay. else. Here. And and Sk- and Skid ended up being being um, bringing Adam. 
Adam Copeland. Adam Impact. Edge. Edge. What did you say? It said Adam Impact, the circle lurker dude. <laughs> what was that? That was Tony Candelo introducing him as a surfer-looking dude. The <laughs> circle lurker dude. <laughs> Adam Impact. <laughs> he was, he was Adam. Really cool. He was really cool. He was Edge. Yeah, we the famous so Hall of Famer Edge. Famous Hall of Famer you Edge. You were the first guy told me about him. As he, oh, I this guy called Skid. Real good. So I was like, dude, you're going to love this dude. His, I call him Skid because he looks like Sebastian Pog. He's a circle lurker and dude. Then he, circle and then he brought dude. Jay in. Okay. And he so so we booked Jay as a favor. He's like, oh, my buddy. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, Did I, you see Jay? And what do you think about him? Uh, when I first saw him, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, kind of skinny, skinny or whatever. Skinny. I'm like, we need someone. I go, look, dude. I go, it's a bit of a test. I said, we need someone to be the male nurse. He's like, what is that? I go, well, you wear a mask and you're like yeah, a male nurse in a hospital. You like to shave people, that sort of thing. And I'll tell you what. He took that thing, because there's two ways to do a gimmick like that. You either go all the way, or you're kind of like, oh, I don't really want to do this. And he went work. all the way. He was tremendous. He hit a home run. It was he awesome. was, As the male nurse. Yeah, they were talking about he Christian. He was the star of the taping, even with all that talent. He was phenomenal. So I went. He did a little dance. We're talking about Christian here, yeah. whose first gimmick was So, so the I male knew nurse. that he wants footage of himself as Christian Cage. So he did such a good job. I go, look. I go, we're going to do a match with you. I'm going to put you with Lance, who's probably the best guy in the card and for me i'm gonna put you over (laughs) and and i'm gonna put you over on lance and so we did that and we did that for him because he did such a tremendous job a favor cannot say enough about him as a worker he's one of the best guys i've ever seen he's so funny jay is hilarious right i mean just so talented but you know what's funny? You know what's funny though, Latch? Early order. I remember you early orderly. I remember you telling me when when I first went to WWE yeah. and who do you hang out with? And I mentioned Edge and Christian, they're good guys. Because I'd met them before yeah. at your tapings and helped them out a little bit. You had said to me, Watch Jay. He's yeah. the, he's he's the funny guy. I'm like, him? Because he's so miserable. No, he's, he's like the fucking creepy little bastard. And once he's out there, he's awesome. He's super funny, and yeah. he's a yeah, very, very funny guy. You know? and, and, and what a worker. And what a, and Adam, obviously, tremendous worker as well. But, I mean, Jay just sometimes doesn't get the credit, and he is just phenomenal. Heel, baby face gimmick, doesn't, doesn't matter. Because he was always compared with Adam, yeah. who was always the guy that was supposed to be the main event of WrestleMania, which he was. But Jay was kind of like, in the same category, even though he wasn't. Jay made a huge name for himself on his own. I can't believe you haven't brought up the Three Horsemen yet. The Three Horsemen? Oh my gosh, what was that? You, me, and Bad News. You and Bad News. So I turned Jericho I turned Jericho heel, first time anyone had done it in North America. And so it's me, him, and Bad News, because Bad News was my bodyguard, was the gimmick. And I'm like, oh, Jericho's like, we need a name. So we came up with the Three Horsemen. The whore, Three Horsemen, right. And that once again, another great angle. You, me, and Bad News Allen, who, by the way, let's talk about Bad News Allen for a second. Yeah. And then I want to talk about the ribs on Tony Candela, which are great stuff. But Bad News Allen, uh, Bad News Brown in the WWE, yeah. When we were watching him, like kind of, he's a bad mofo. He's Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. The first time I met him, I was so scared because I was talking to his wife, Helen. For some reason, I ended up in a room alone That's some heat. with Helen, and she was a hot yeah, chick, right? really hot. A milf, as a milf, as we would say. Oh, what does that stand for? Milf. Mother, I'd like to fornicate with <laughs> oh, you stupid Jesus kid. <laughs> and I was talking to Helen, and then suddenly look over, and Bad News is standing there. Hey. He's wearing the classic uh, shaft outfit of the black leather outfit, black leather pants, and the black leather hat. And all I could think of was he had all these earrings in his ears. And I said, hey, Bad News, how many earrings do you have? 
He's like, I good got, cover. Yeah, I got, I got, <laughs> I got seven. Cool. See ya. And ran away. But bad news taught all of us. But you were really close to bad news, weren't you, Don? Yeah, I met bad news in '94 in South Africa on a tour, and uh, when you beat up we're, Keith Hart, we're all scared of him. And uh, how could you not be? He was such, but he was an intimidating guy. But he was such a cool guy. So I, I got in the habit. He was an early riser. I would get up at like six in the morning to go for breakfast with him, and I would listen to stories for three hours. Then he would take me back to his room, and he would show me shoot holds, which was painful, but it was really cool, you know, because he's an Olympic medalist in judo and all of that stuff. Just like Ed did with you guys. A <laughs> little different than that. <laughs> And then you'd go for dinner with him, and you'd hear more stories. And one of the great things about bad news is I probably learned more about life from bad news in terms of how to, how to act. Because he was one of those guys where if you'd start to get a little full of yourself or you'd start to get a little gimmicky or whatever, he'd pull you back, and he'd go like, hey, man, what are you doing type of thing. So it was like kind of a – the stuff he would teach you, like to his detriment, he was very black and white. You're either telling me the truth or you're lying to me. There's no gray areas. Right. And our business is gray areas, right? Right, right. And so he, he was very much, I remember many times, because you say you tell stories, bad news told the same stories over and over. But they're great. Great stories. And I'd heard them all 10 times. He'd always say to me, I may have told you this one before, but, and then he'd tell you anyway. But he had the classic, like, ghetto black guy voice. I may have told you this one before, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was real with bad news. Yeah. And the thing is with bad news, he would always talk about how. Vince had promised him the world title. Yeah. And he was supposed to be and to me, or even, something. And even back but I, then. But I believed it. I don't think yeah. it's bullshit. Oh, no. I believe he was promised that. In my mind, even back then, I'm like, yeah, but it's wrestling. Plans change. I never told him that. But in his mind, it's like, no, you say something. You're a man. You stand up for that. Right, you you do it. Right. That was the thing. And that's why like a lot of the stuff I learned from him was way more applicable in real life than it was. And I mean, I did the, life eul- lessons. I did the eulogy at his funeral. I was did you really? really? I did. And, when did he pass away? Oh uh, seven. Wow. And, how long ago? And, From what? Uh, he had a heart attack. Wow. Out of nowhere. This is a guy who never drank, never smoked, never did steroids, never partied. Won a bronze medal in the Olympics and started wrestling when he was about 36 or 37. And, and I remember he went through the New Japan Dojo and I said to him, how was that? Was it hard? He's like, no. He's like, it was, yeah. he's the only guy I've ever heard say it was easy because yeah, yeah. the training he did as a, as a judo, probably the greatest heavyweight judoka ever in the U.S. The training he did for that was so hard that like going through the new Japan dojo for him was nothing. So, right, and the thing was, he was like, once you got through the wall of bad news, yeah, do anything super, for you. Super great guy, and he came to Winnipeg, and I say this because I mean, it's, for one hundred and fifty dollars, he came to Winnipeg to be my bodyguard. That was a gimmick because I said, I, and he would have wrestled, but I said, I'm not, I, I don't feel right. I can't pay you that little money and ask you to take bumps, and it totally changed for me. I learned how to be a heel. And all of a sudden, my act got totally different in Winnipeg. It, because him as your bodyguard, I mean, it made total sense, right? And it got a lot of heat. And I learned how to be a heel from kind of listening to him because he'd cut a promo. And he was one of those heels. No one cheered bad news. He was a heel. Right. Period. Right. He got heat. Period. And if you asked Stu Hart who the, if you would ask Stu Hart who the greatest heel he ever had, in Stampede Wrestling, he'd say bad news. If you asked him what was the greatest feud he ever had, he'd say bad news versus Dynamite Kid. Hmm. Unequivocal. Why do you think that bad news never made it bigger in the WWE? Um, well, he, he would be a terrible fit for there. I mean, because he was just inflexible. It's like if you tell me something, then that's what we're going to do. I also think with a guy like that, like, look, if bad news was coming up today, he'd be in UFC. But didn't they want to do like the Butch Reed thing with him and he didn't want to do it? What's that? 
Blonde, he wouldn't do anything that he deemed as being racially yeah. negative, right? He was very but sensitive the, to that. That role was offered to him. He didn't like it, and that's. Butch but it's Reed. not like Butch Reed ever had, unless it was WCW. Was Butch Reed the champion WCW? No, but he was when he was in WWF. He was the natural Butch Reed. But he was a guy that would speak up, like when the Dusty Rhodes had the Sapphire thing. Sapphire had a negative connotation historically in the South. The name was Sapphire was like a derogatory. Right. Yeah. So he went to the office and complained about it, and I mean. And he was another guy. It's like, well, if we put the belt on him, how do we get it off him? And the best joke of it is, because if he could beat anybody, right? For real. Yeah. It, for, for real, I would say him and Haku were the well, toughest yeah, guys in the, the business. That's the one, Haku, the, yeah. the two toughest guys in the business, right? Right. Bad news, if he came up now, would be a UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, right. judo, boxing, the whole deal. Um, but how do you get the belt off him? Best joke of it is, he was the easiest guy to do business with. I gave him his last match in the business, and he said, well, I'm putting you over. And I'm like, absolutely not. I refuse. Like, you're not putting me over. He insisted because he's like, I'm retiring. I'm done. You still got to be in the business. And he insisted on putting me over. We finally agreed that I would hit him with a gimmick or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was totally uncomfortable with it because he was my mentor. But that was his thing. He's the easiest guy to do business with if you didn't mess with him. Did you know anything? Like, well, I'm still maybe any of us. So they work in WrestleMania. It's Bad News versus Piper. And Piper paints one side of himself black. Did that have, like... It bothered him. At the why, start of... Like I said, it's, why? Why? What was that all about? I know? think he saw it as like an Al Jolson kind of a, yeah. a thing. He, he can't do the blackface. No. But, 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 how, so how but then he just, he just thought, I mean, God rest Roddy Piper. Piper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But bad news. bad news. Just afterwards, he's just like, I thought Roddy was an idiot. But and why so would it, Roddy do that? I don't know. It made no sense. Yeah, I'm still trying to like how does like my feud is versus bad news, so I paint half my face black. Even if it's an Al Josen thing, how does that work? I, I don't understand it either. Right, right. It was terrible, and I mean, he, he he was a guy too. Like I mean, he was all about like fair pay. I remember him telling me that uh, Warrior came to him uh, before the match with Hogan and said like because everyone knew News didn't rib, so he's like, I know you don't rib. All these guys rib around. He's like, I'm wrestling Hogan. What do you think I should get? And News goes, you should get a million dollars because, you know, he's going to get that, right? Mm. And I remember News told me that Piper got forty grand for, um, for the match at WrestleMania with a half-black thing. Mm-hmm. And News' check came in and it was eight. And then he had a big problem with that because he's like, well, it takes two of us to have a match. So right. why is he getting 40 and I'm getting eight? A lot of guys wouldn't speak up about that, but he did to his detriment, you know? Did you ever hear the story about uh, Bad News and Under the Giant? Yeah, many tell, times. Tell us about that one. So, By the way, Lenny just left to go to the fucking can. So whatever. Let's follow him in there. <laughs> Lenny, what are you doing in there, eh? <laughs> all right, so, so tell us about okay, the so, famous... And this is a famous story that we have all heard. I mean, even like a Steve Austin... So, so, so here's the deal. What I'll say is I probably knew Bad News better than just about anybody. I agree. One, thing, one, one thing I will say, one thing Bad News never did was lie. About anything. I agree. Or exaggerate. It was just a shoot to shoot. Straight. He didn't so, have to lie. So what he told me was he's in, I think it was New Japan for Noki. They're all on the bus. And Andre was on the bus. And he loved Andre. But he told me, and I heard the story a hundred times. He said Andre was making racial kind of comments slurs. or jokes or whatever. Slurs. And bad news was like, hey, Andre, I don't appreciate that. You know, keep that shit to yourself, you know. Right. And News had that voice that would just, like you know. Like I said, the classic ghetto and so Hogan, shaft. Yeah, so Hogan si- Hogan's sitting behind. Uh, oh, Hulk was there. H- Hogan is sitting behind uh, News, and then Andre's behind Hogan. And uh, Andre goes, he goes, hey, News, you know, fuck you, you know. So News is like, well, I'm not going to take that. So News takes out his earrings because he had, like, you know, 
12 karat diamond yeah. big takes him out and he I'm reaches down bad news. a lot puts him down in his bag but when he reaches down hogan thought he was going for a gun so hogan like dives under the under the seat because he thinks news is going for a gun so news gets up walks to the front of the bus he goes stop the f-ing bus and the guy's like, he's like, no, you stop the bus. And he's bus cha- driver, yeah. Bus driver, stop the bus. He challenges Andre. He's like, get your big ass off this bus. And he's trying to get Andre to go outside. And News told me, he's like, look, as a shoot, I don't know what would have happened. He probably would have killed me. He's like, but he would have had to do it. So he challenges Andre. Andre won't get off the bus. So it kind of gets squashed. Bus drive continues. It drives news crazy all night. Next morning, he waits for Andre in the lobby of the he hotel. Gets up early. And gets up, up early. Like waits at, waits in the lobby. Andre comes down. He challenges Andre again, and Andre just goes, "Ah, don't forget about it. Like, don't worry about it. I'm Polish. People make fun of me all the time." And he's like, "I don't care. I'm I don't Polish. Want, I don't want to hear that stuff." Yeah, that's what he said. Andre was Polish. And Polish background. Well, Polish French background. Jazz so, blues, really. So, and I, I've actually heard Hulk Hogan say that this never happened and that didn't happen like that. And all I can tell you, I, I don't know Hulk Hogan. I know Bad News Allen better than most, and he would not make it up. And if he said it happened like that, it happened like that. I would, I would and I'm not going to sit here and tell you he would have beat up Honor the Giant. I'm telling you though that he was ready to. He was ready to stand up. I'll himself. tell you this: uh, we had a show at the Saddle Dome, and, and uh, Bad News showed up and asked me if I get him 50 tickets. To the Saddlem show, fifty-five-zero. Hey, can you get me fifty tickets? Like bad news, I can't get five <laughs> tickets. All right, Brett, can you get me fifty tickets? And uh, bad news got fifty tickets. Who else could get fifty tickets for a show and they're not even working there? Yeah, bad news, good. Yeah. Uh, we're, we've been doing this for a long time. Let's we got to start wrapping this up. But let's talk about some ribs on Tony Candelo, the promoter. When you guys go up north and you go to. All of these places, the Northern Death. Tour. Land should tell the pig rib. Tell the pig rib. Let's no, Land should. He was the mastermind of the pig rib. Was that you? Those well, are the three of us. All right, so there's Jethro Hogg. So there's a dude who Natch booked. <laughs> brings up a, I didn't, I didn't a book him. Tony booked him because he had a pig. But anyway. He's a pig. Awesome wrestler, though. <laughs> I'm sure. He's a lot of <laughs> he was high like spots. A farm guy. He was a, so a high Jethro spots. Hogg, right? Uh, it was like a young Chris Jericho. <laughs> so he has a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig that's about like sixty pounds, and he's called he's called Jethro Hogg, and he's like uh, 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 Henry O. Godwin and yeah. Phineas yeah. Godwin, so except for he's about five feet tall all the and kids fat. When we're on the reservations, love to get their pictures. So basically, Tony makes a killing with Polaroids with this pig, because every little kid wants their picture taken with this pig. Where me and Natchez just stand there, no one's come over to our booth. <laughs> Like crickets over there, and this is after the show. You guys after have to go. Shows. You guys have to wrestle and then go yeah. hang out outside. Yeah. Gimmick tables, yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> no, it'd be like me and Nash sitting there looking over at Virgil, who's sitting there with no one over there either. <laughs> Sucks to be okay. Virgil is the meme. <laughs> oh, anyways, there's this. Pit. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, so we're having to sleep on those blue mats, and so and Tony snores. Like, you know, as soon as he's asleep, he snores super loud. Like you, dude. Last night we slept in this room. Dude. I text my wife. I'm like, Lanny snores so bad. It's I, terrible. I That's what happens when you're 45 years old and you share rooms to save money on the road. <laughs> you're worth a billion dollars. We're staying in a five-star hotel. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, we're staying in front of the condom on the floor. But you just got the rooms for free because of the rubber on the floor. <laughs> June 27th, Red Sox-Yankees game. Please tell us who won at Talk is Jericho. Continue. Okay, anyways. As far as I warned you last night, and I tried to sleep on my you side. You did super bad snoring. Like, I really thought it was bad. a nightmare. It's because I broke my nose to me. Yeah, I know. I get it. Whatever. 
Anyways. Anyways. Take um, it home, kid. So we got this pig. So <laughs> Go we, home. We think of this idea like we're going to break the pig out as soon as Jethro's sleeping. Because the pig sleeps in a pen. Pig's in his own You're going to bust him out. And it's in the, the men's room or ladies' room or whatever. So we're going to bust the pig out. <laughs> we're going to bust the pig out. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to set this baby free. He's going to run free. Set this pig bitch free. So pig is rolling in gimmick then, money. <laughs> he's like taking our money away, man. And by the way, pig's got to go. When you said Jericho Hog, Tony pronounced the guy's name wrong. Jericho Hog. Instead of Jethro. It's the Jericho Hog. We, we, we didn't correct him for obvious reasons. Mary Shetty isn't here because of drugs, but Jericho Hog's here instead. And so we have like tris- Triscuits. And so. Triscuits. Crackets. Like crackers. Like crackers. Right? Crackets. Crackets. And so we. First off. I think, did he bust us trying to get the pig out, if I remember? Because he ended up coming to owner, help The us. owner of the pig? Jericho, Jericho yeah. pig. Jericho hog. Busted Jericho us hog. getting the pig out, but then we he brought busted. him into the rib. So then we bring him in. We're like, dude, we need to borrow your pig. <laughs> and he's like, because a pig makes a bunch of noise when you're trying to get out of the right. cage. So we take the crackers, make a little trail, and then we wrap it up all around Tony's ass because he's sleeping <laughs> on his side. So, so, so the, the, the trail of crackers went all the way around the, the way basketball around court. It wound around and it <laughs> landed in Tony's crotch. Because you're sleeping no, on the floor of... The trail of bread comes to Tony's crotch. So it goes to his ass, then it goes around to the front, and then it goes up to his face. Around his mustache. So... You know Super Mario. Tony looks like Super Mario. He does, like an okay. older Super Mario. Super, older Super Mario. So this pig's eating all these triscuits, and then as soon as we turn the pig loose, we run back to our little beds. But dude, you can hear me and Natch are both trying to be quiet, but all you can hear is is laughing. You got you have a bad poker face, Lenny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but the but the pig the pig finished up eating the crackers and Tony's crotch. He didn't wake up. No, first off, no, he goes to his ass because before he ran, he's at his ass. We're still standing there, and Tony starts moving his ass around like he's enjoying this. Are you guys watching this? Oh yeah, yeah at first. So and then it went to the front. Nothing happens. He goes up to his face, and that's where sort of like we bailed at that right, point. Right. And then all of a sudden, Tony wakes up because the fucking the pig is in his face so when he wakes pig's up. In his face, eating his mustache, and Tony wakes up. Oh, so so wait though, but but wait. So before we did this, we had tried to rib him by dyeing his hair green. Because <laughs> no, no, it was the same night. No, no, same night. The first night was in the big gym, and the first second night he, he went upstairs up. into that little room. He didn't wake up, right? So it was the second night we dyed his hair. So this is the first night, and he wakes up because he's like the the pig's kissing me or something. He thought the pig got loose. The on fucking pig is kissing me. Yeah, and so he starts freaking out. We're like, what? Laughing. Yeah, we're laughing. And he still doesn't know. And doesn't know it, what? That we let the pig out. Okay. He thought the pig just got loose. So the pig Who let got, the hey, pigs so out? Ooh. Let, ooh, ooh, ooh. Right. So not only did the pig get out of this pen, but he also got through a door, set up a bunch of crackers. <laughs> <laughs> this is one smart uh, pig. <laughs> this is one smart pig. Hey, so, give me Bill. So he used the gimmick money to buy his way out. He got his way out. So then the next oh night, Tony gosh. doesn't stay in the room down. Like It, it was a big gym area so the next night he's got his own room or we're in a different town that night do you remember we were all sleeping downstairs this corridor so upstairs was a separate room where tony and tony was staying tony and a girl no so so wait so so at the end of the day that we got the idea that we we're going to dye tony's hair green we had some green hair dye what, when he's sleeping yeah. yeah yeah so we got green food coloring from the kitchen fruit. In the high school we found, we were, home we ec room. We were cooking the home ec room. And we found all this food color and we're like, 
Because Tony's got like white hair, right? Yeah. Like so he dyed so his like, hair green, but he didn't like, wake he up. He can totally dye his While hair While he's sleeping, you're dying green so with food color. Yeah, yeah. Or he did his hair, and it's pitch black in there. You can't even see, because one time then you kind of stir it. And, and this go, is your boss. Yeah. This is the promoter. Can you imagine this? Don't this you do this to Vince? Vince. <laughs> Don't you guys do this all the time when you're on the road? He probably did it so, tonight. So, hey, his hair, <laughs> so his hair is green, but he doesn't wake up. Let me just on the segue. I took a picture of Vince sleeping once when we were in Iraq, and he was on the floor sleeping. We were waiting for a plane or something, and I showed it to him when he woke up. I said, see, you do sleep. He said, delete that photo now. <laughs> I said, ha, ha, ha. He goes, no, now. I'm like, okay, I'll delete. He goes, let me see you delete it. <laughs> All right, Vince, you're not sleeping. Delete. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Continue. So you didn't dye his hair. I so didn't dye his hair, but I took a picture <laughs> of him sleeping. So Tony's hair is green now, but he hasn't woken up. So we're like, we got to so do something else. Something, but we kept doing it. So we went back and got more. We did it more. His hair is actually green. Green. <laughs> we, we put food color in. Nothing happened. So we're like, we got to get that. We got to get the pig back. <laughs> we got to get that pig. More crackers. So we get the pig. It's pitch black in there. We put it in, and all of a sudden, he's like, I can't do a good Tony. So, so we do the cracker thing again. He wakes up. He freaks out. He, he feels it wet. He, he, he feels his, he, hair so wet. his hair is wet. He <laughs> runs to the bathroom. He looks in, in the mirror. He comes out, and he goes, get a fucking pig pissed in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> the big uh, green piss. And we're downstairs laughing. <laughs> And then he comes down with his big stick and tries to. It's pitch black to where we are. He made the comeback with a hockey stick. He's this hockey stick around trying to hit everybody. What? He's swinging hockey sticks? Well, oh, he knew at that point Lenny and I ribbed him. And Lance is like the first one when he comes in. He's like the first kind of bed right there, and he, he didn't have nothing to do with it. Why were you there, Lance? What do you mean? Why was he's just watching? He's on the tour. On the tour. Actually, if you want to go to stormwrestling.com, go to the photo section. There's pictures of this. And where was that at the time? Oh, yeah, making two grand a week in Mexico dating the the hot actresses. Okay, I was going to Japan, and I was just home for this time, so I went on this tour. I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Pigs are known to have green urine. (laughs) Poor Tony. This this thing also. This was the same day though that I put the Flexol, the hot rub, all over his stuff. Oh, you put so, it in the crotch of his pants? I, so I watch Tony every day. Tony does the same stuff. Okay, so Tony's super cheap. He won't hire anyone else to take take uh, tickets when people come in, so he does it himself. He won't hire another referee, so he referees. So he'll sit at the ticket booth or the front door of the front door of the school gym. <laughs> yeah. He'll take all the tickets till exactly like a minute before the first matches on but before that he'll always set up his track pants and his refs every day same thing so we were changing i took my flex saw which is like hot right like tiger bomb tiger bomb but it's super powerful and i put it in his underarm of his shirt and then i rubbed rubbed it all in the crotch of his pants (laughs) and i let it sit there your boss's pants my boss pants Uh, once again Video proof of that, I think. Or pictures. Yeah, there's pictures of you doing it. But my favorite was, again, next night of the tour, probably. Len decides he's going to cut the drawstring out of Tony's <laughs> pants so we can pants him in the match. Stuff and, like you do to your boss all the time. But, 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 but Tony saw there was no string, so he was, he was on, on to us. So he's, he's hanging on to him like crazy. And like the first match goes out, and they're trying to pants him, and they can't. Second match goes out, they can't pants him. Len comes up to plate. It's me he, and Adam, I think. Was it me and uh, Adam? I think it was you and Paul. Me and Paul? But Len's taking the ten punches in the corner. And the guy jumps back and Len staggers out and takes a textbook Ric Flair face bump. And as he's going down, he just reaches out very gently with his <laughs> fingers and grabs Tony's pants. All the way down, baby. Tidy whities 
Tony's pants. All the way down. All the way down. It was, just, it was classic because it was just Ric Flair bump and then just reached out and grabbed his pants and boom, right to the floor. It was awesome. What did he do? Uh, well, he's trying to pull him up, but I wouldn't let him get him up. I just kept hanging on as much as I could. Tell the super kick. Well, first, yeah. before I was going to finish with the uh, the hot thing. So when he's in the in the, I was me against that, or we were watching. So he's in. It was Adam and Summer was in the first match, and you could tell he was as he was repping. He kept pulling his armpit down because you know as you get as you start to sweat, it really works up. So he's pulling it down, pulling it down, and they're going like 15 minutes or something. And there's no timekeeper because Tony's in the refereeing, so there's not, no one knows what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Tony's crouching, and he just sits up really fast, pulls the crotch of his pants down, and starts yelling, my pants is on fire! My pants is on fire! And he runs out of the ring, into the back, and those two guys are just sitting in there still wrestling. My pants is on fire! <laughs> and, then, the, this, this, and then there's the super kick rib. What's the super kick rib? Don and I are working the main event, and... You know, and Brother. Tony's the ref, right. and Don decides the one thing our match is missing is a ref bump. So he's, he's telling Tony that it's like we have to have a ref bump. So we'll do this great spot. I go for the jumping front kick that you know killed Keith Hart. Lance is going to move, and I'm going to hit Tony. And Tony's like, hey, then, "No way! I know you're going to stiff me. No goddamn way!" And because I'm always a straight man, I'm like Tony. I pull Tony aside and said, "Look, if Don stiffs you." Scream real loud on your bump. I'll know he stiffed you, and I'll recede him. Because after he hits Tony, super I super kicked Don for the for the near fall with the good ref play. down. So I'm like, he's like, okay, because I can take a stiffer one than Don can. So you get him good. So every night he comes with the jumping front Keith Hart broken take his nose head kick. off hard Kill as him. I can. And Tony goes down screaming like a stuck pig, and then I hit Don with the world's lightest super kick and goes down. We do the match, finish up, and we get the locker room, and Don then of course. Has to come up with the complaint. Oh, geez, that kick was pretty stiff there, Lance. And Tony's like, ah, we got him. And he's like, every night, Don's kicking this guy's head off. Thinking that you're getting revenge. <laughs> getting revenge as I tapped Don with the lightest suit. But you know kick. what the great, I mean, Tony, not only would he, like, joyfully take a rib, but physically, Tony was so tough. I mean, he could take the kind of physical abuse, so he never felt that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, last uh, question. We've been... Uh, We've, this could be a three-parter. We've seen a lot of guys over the years. Who is the worst independent Canadian wrestler that you remember from back in the day? Don, you want to? Or Lance, you want to? Uh, I wrestled a guy named Gregory Peck, who's his real name. I'm like, why are the you wrestling from, as Gregory? The guy Peck? from the Omen. Yeah, he's like, that's my real name. <laughs> he was so bad. I walked into the locker room. Beef Wellington was booking. By the way, Beef Wellington, excellent name. Yeah. I walked up to him. This is a Calgary guy? It was a Calgary show. Gregory Peck? It was like 95-ish. I'd never seen him before. And I walked into the locker room. I just went up to Biff. I said, if that dude's even on another show, I quit. (laughs) And he never worked again, to my knowledge. Gregory Peck. He was so bad. (laughs) Lenny? Oh, dude, where do I start? (laughs) Pick pick your top three. I don't know. Ramblin' Roy Armstrong. Who's that? He came through kind of when I came out, and he wrestled on a couple shows, probably two or three. Um, he's the guy who I was booking a show for Ed one time, and I we had this big battle royal where uh, remember the pizza place everyone used to go to up on the top of the hill. I can't remember the name of in it. Ogatokes? in Ogatokes. Uh, uh, you guys would know this. I do know. Like there. it was a Greek restaurant. Yeah, or yeah, something. the yeah. Greek restaurant. Yeah. Guy, so they sponsored it for like a thousand dollars, right? right? And so I told the dude, I was like, you're going to get a pile driver, 
just totally lay there, knocked out until someone picked This is Ramblin' Roy Rogers? Ramblin' Roy Armstrong. He ran the pizza place? Oh, no, no. He was just a wrestler. So okay. anyways, I told him, you're going to get a pile driver. Just lay there. Someone will pick you up and throw you out later. But lay there until someone does that. So he gets the pile driver. He just lays there the whole time. Everyone wrestles around him for 20, 30 minutes or whatever it was. Doesn't move. And then he's the last one in the ring. So it's the ref that comes and wakes him up. He wakes up. He gets this check. He thinks it's like this giant check. The giant it's real. check, yeah. He starts to celebrate. He gets to the back. And I remember he's like crying. He's looking down at it. And I was like, what's up, Roy? And he's like, never won anything in my life. This is the big greatest day of my life. I can't, I can't believe it. All that training I did, it really is paying off. He's like, training, you got pile, You walked in the ring, you got a pile driver right away, and you laid there for the whole time. That training really paid off. Here's, here's my quick one was uh, Kevin Littlebear, who was this super skinny guy, uh, uh, First Nation kid, worked against Lenny, had no idea what was going on, and Lenny gave him a belly-to-back suplex, which... In the best of times, it's not an easy bump, but you take it flat. Lenny gave him a Japanese-style belly-to-back where the guy landed basically on his head with his body folded over. It was so bad that to this day, it's like, oh, did you, I, I, I stiffed him. It. You gave him a little bear? Oh, yeah, a little bear. I little bared him. That's good. Oh, yeah, I little bared him. He worked Warren Ajax. His brother, his brother Lee worked one time. Lee, Lee was his brother who he decided like five or six, he, he was going to get in wrestling. And Lee's about the size of this mic stand. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to get in the business. Like, How did it go? I little bared him. Done. Poor little bear. Poor Warren Ajax. Broke him in. Yeah, Did broke great. <laughs> Donnie? Mark Merrow. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, Mark, Mark Merrow was nice, nice guy, but what a crowbar. Uh, anyway, no. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, God. <laughs> um, uh, little Bulkster. The Little uh, Bulkster. In, uh, oh, my Tony's gosh. promotion. So, so Tony, Little Bulkster was, uh, I think, four foot ten as a shoot. Huge. He was huge, like jacked up. And so Tony called him Little Bulkster because he's, like, going to be the Hulk Hogan. It's like really Little Hulkster, but the Little Bulkster. But what, and this was, like, a giant little person. He, he wasn't, like, a shoot little person. He, he was just like, short. He was yeah, like he was really short. One, he wasn't hornswoggle, but he was like short. He's five feet tall in his boots, but he was jacked. He looked great. But the thing is, it's like, so So I I got the strap at the time, and it's like, Tony's like, hey, work with him like he's Hulk Hogan. I'm like, dude, he's like a foot and three inches shorter than me. Like, I'm 6'3". Like, how am I going to work with this guy, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to do big man spots, but I literally have you're, to, like, crouch down, right? To, to do the spots. And the worst part about it was that, you know, Tony, like, had him in his mind that he was Hulk Hogan. So he hadn't learned anything. So you couldn't even, like, do spots with him. And it was just, it was awful. Here's the funny thing. When I was working in Red River, or sorry, when I was going to school in Red River Community College, I had a couple interviews in wrestling because I loved wrestling. I tried to get it. I think I actually got it in the free press, Winnipeg Free Press, with the little Bulkster. And I had to go down to Gold's Gym, and I was super nervous, and I had my little pen and paper, and I interviewed the little Bulkster about how he was going to become the biggest thing in Winnipeg and the next Hulk Hogan from that. Yep. So there you go. And how old were you then? Uh, I was 18. You're already bigger than him. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> so, Mine. Well, so go ahead. No, I was just going to add, like, worse than both of them, and God bless him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Bracus in uh, WWF at the time. 
Good lord, that was horrifying. So this is when you're in the WF as the jackal. Yeah. You come in with the Truth Commission. They, so that doesn't work. So I have to work a tag match, and I'm doing a spot with him, and I'm like, okay, dude, I go just press. Let me see. Brackus is a guy from Germany, professional bodybuilder. But he brought over, and he's massive. He's jacked. He's like Looks jacked great. to the gills. Right. Ackermalbrek yeah. was his yeah. name. could call. Right. Looks phenomenal. And so I'm like, okay, dude, like, just give me a press slam, you know? Because I'm like, I'm, I just want to take bumps for this guy. Like, I want to make him look good, right? And um, so he gets me up in a press slam. First off, can hardly get me up. And I mean, I go up light. I'm 200 pounds, right? Gets me up. And he's like, oh, oh. And like, all of a sudden, I see like we're staggering towards the ropes. And I'm going to take a <laughs> bump on the floor because he's going to lose me. And so I have to like grab the top rope. I have to push off. I end up bumping like on my side right next to the rope to kind of salvage it. And I mean, and that was the best spot we did. <laughs> and what did you want to call him? What did I want to want? You wanted to you wanted to have him be your protege, and you were going to call him the experiment. That's right. You have a good memory. Yeah. Well, that? I mean, I was desperate. I mean, um, I was given a gimmick called uh, the Parade of Human Oddities, and they I, I think that the gimmick was actually they wouldn't give me anyone who was a good worker because the, the, they're like, oh, well, you can have Al Snow or Steve Regal. Can I have Steve Regal? No. Can I have Al Snow? No. Can I? They're like, you get John Tenta. I'm like, awesome. I love John Tenta. He's great. They're like, oh, he's going to be a humpback because no one can pin a humpback because one shoulder is always up. <laughs> uh, mine was a twofold. If you want to go Winnipeg, I'm going to say Red Bastine Jr. Ooh, that's going to be some heat next time you come to town. Oh, he's blonde. Imagine Hall and Oates, but the Oates is red hair <laughs> with a red mustache, and that's Red Bestine Jr. Uh, uh, and you just saw Red Bestine recently, didn't you? A few you? years ago. What did he say to you? Uh, he, he gave me heat because I didn't recognize him. I'm like, but I haven't seen you in 15 years, and your hair's blonde, and it was always red. <laughs> you can't be Red Bestine Jr. as a blonde. Uh, go to Calgary. The guy for me was always uh, Lee Baracci. Kevin Brosny. Oh, that's a great gimmick. Lee, Lee Barachi. Barachi. I got it. I got it the got, first time. I got it. Oh, I got it. It was over with me the first time. Used to be on the puppet shows, the Harley guy. Who? Remember that dude Harley, or what was it, Karachi? The other guy? That used Karachi to Vice? No, we used to put the blades on his fingers. Who? Abu? It was after we were blackballed from... Who? That was after we accepted the bookings with Kenoki. Fred. His name is Kenoki. <laughs> Kiyoki. Kiyoki. You remember what I'm talking about? This no, is when Lance God. and I, we, uh, Fred Jung, we get a whole other podcast about this f***ing idiot. Uh, and, and if you're listening, yes, you are a f***ing idiot. And um, he wouldn't allow Lance and I, maybe you, to work on his shows, uh, on anybody else's shows but his. Meanwhile, he had one show a month. So, because they didn't want us on, on, on his local TV because Vince might see us and steal us away. So that's why we didn't 1991. work. 1991. 1991. No, I used to work those shows. Kiyoki. I, like I remember I was always like, Kick-X. Oh, no, that was the puppet shows. Heavy metal, Kiyoki. I got paid in change. Puppet shows. So I got paid in loonies, and, and uh, Paul Lazenby got paid in quarters, and I thought, hey, I'm going to trade with you because my, I need quarters for my laundry back home. <laughs> so I traded him, and I got paid in quarters for that, man. So many guys, man. Liberace was a guy whose gimmick was that he was a wrestling version of Liberace. Liberace. Kevin Brosny, still waiting for his big break. Still wa- Kevin Brosny? became the orderly. Oh, I don't even know that. But uh, Was that the guy we ripped with Tony? Oh, that's the guy we ripped with Tony. He's don't tell that him. story. All right, last story. <laughs> Well, that's, a bad, that's a bad one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 25 years, Don Callis, natural, luscious Lenny St. Clair, Lance T-Storm. The T stands for thunder. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Jericho here. And what a night it's been. And, uh, I mean, I, I wish that I never met any of you guys.
Thanks for the trans. <laughs> Thanks to Lance Storm, Lenny St. Clair, and Don Callis for a great, great show. So many laughs. Uh, my amazing producer, Stacey Parra, says that's one of her top 10 episodes of all time. How much How much was Lance laughing uh, in that one point? I got a couple pictures from that that I'll post at Talk is Jericho if you want to check it out. Exclusive content up there on that Twitter. Uh, and what, what an amazing night it was. I'll talk more about it on Friday. 25 years of Chris Jericho on Y2J, and uh, it doesn't stop. It, it continues on because I'm heading uh, later on today, as a matter of fact, to Saudi Arabia. We're going to be in Jeddah October 8th, 9th, and 10th. Never been to Saudi Arabia. Looking forward to meeting all the fine people there. Then October 16th, 17th, and 18th, it's the Mexico tour. We're hitting Merida, Mexico City, and Monterey. Looking to head back there in my old stomping grounds from about 20 years ago. And then I'm done in the WWE for a while, but then pick up the slack and head straight over to uh, the UK. Uh, first of all, hosting the Classic Rock Awards, November 11th at the Roundhouse in London. That's going to be amazing. I think Jimmy Page is going to be there and maybe Bono and all those type of guys. This is the big leagues of the big leagues, man. Then we start the Cinderblock Party Tour in the UK and Europe with Nonpoint and Sumo Psycho in tow. We start that November 13th in Rotterdam. Then we're going to be in Vienna, Hamburg, Berlin, Cologne, France, Luxembourg. We're heading back over to the UK, Reading, London on November 26th at the Islington Academy, Manchester, Southampton, Birmingham, Nottingham, Sheffield, Wales. So many great shows coming up. Go to FozzyRock.com for all gig information and all VIP information. Come hang with me. I want to meet you. Uh, I want to talk about Fozzy, talk about my 25 years in the wrestling biz. I'll sign what you want. We'll hang out. We'll have a couple drinks. We'll have a great time. Super excited for the Cinderblock Party Tour. Super excited for the uh, Kiss Cruise on October 30th. Uh, it's going to be a great way to end out the year, man. And, and super excited for all the uh, great guests I got coming up. And thanks to you guys to listen to, for listening to Talk is Jericho twice a week. Thanks for the great sponsors go check them out recovery max order the spray or the cream today at drugstore.com draftkings.com use that promo code y2j to play for free meundies.com use my promo code jericho to get 5 10 15 20 percent off your first order uber of course at amazon they've been with talk is jericho since day one amazon easiest way to support this podcast uh, easiest way to support this show don't forget to use those links when you shop on amazon i got links for the usa the uk the canada a you find them all by going to podcast1.com click on the support Portal Show sponsor banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. You don't have to buy anything special. Just buy what you want. Amazon kicks back a few bucks to this show uh, for uh, every time you use those links. And I thank you. Once again, podcast1.com. Click on the Supporter Show sp uh, sponsors banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for all of you who've supported me over the last 25 years, whether it's been for one day or for all of those years. If you're not a fan anymore, if you're still a fan, if you're about to be a fan, uh, for those about to uh, Jericho, I salute you. Okay, this week uh, on Friday, I'll talk more about my 25th anniversary, talk more about the, the whole show behind the scenes in Madison Square Garden, uh, behind the scenes afterwards, what we did. And also returning, Governor Jesse Ventura will be here to talk about his new book, American Conspiracies. And wow, if you thought he was, uh, he was intricate and, and off the wall last time he was on, this time we go straight into it, nonstop conspiracy theories with Jesse Ventura, one of the best talkers, one of the best orators, still one of the best voices of all time. Who doesn't remember Jesse the Body Ventura? Excited to have you back. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you on Friday and a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast1.com. 